On the Pilot TV podcast this week, we're getting bloody on the streets of London with Chopé Derisu in season two of Sky's ultra-violent crime drama, Gangs of London. And Chopé himself will be on the show a little later to talk more about that. Plus, we're committing virtual crimes with Chloe Grace Moretz in the peripheral on Amazon Prime and discovering what it really means to spend all your time in the house watching TV in Channel 4's Somewhere Boy. I'm James Dyer and welcome to the Pilot TV Podcast, your weekly guide to every show that matters and a podcast that can finally reveal that Rings of Power finale, which displayed what you all suspected from the very start, the Dark Lord Sauron was Boyd Hilton all <laughs> along. And speaking of which, all the way from the ash-strewn wastes of deepest Mordor is the man himself, fresh from terrorising the realms of men. Uh, it's Boyd Hilton. Hello. Good afternoon, James. Good. good. I feel like uh, I have spent a magical day with you already. We did a presentation <laughs> we, this morning. We spent together. a lot of time together today, Boyd. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's ongoing now. Yeah, it is. It feels like we've been doing this all day. What more could anyone want? Yeah, that's it. The whole day with me. Yeah. It's great. I'm glad you're enjoying yourself. Yeah. <laughs> also with us, of course, is Pilot TV's very own High Priestess of the Eldar. It's Kay Ribeiro. <laughs> Hello. Hi. You Hi. have not spent the whole day with me. No, You'll be I was not to... invited. Yeah, you were. But anyway, it's sore subject. Yeah. We did a we did a special little mini pilot presentation <laughs> for for an ad department in in Blackfriars in London. Uh, and well, I don't think you need to get into the full detail. <laughs> really? You don't think anyone address. cares? All right, fine. There are two on side baseball. I'm not even sure the ads people cared. <laughs> no, 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 I don't I think they more, did. It was the level of detail you were going into. Yeah, Black it was Friars. maybe a bit more yeah. detailed than it needed yeah. to be. The it names a, of everyone. There. Yeah. So there was John. There was <laughs> Rupert. Uh, no. So th- what was odd about it though is because so it was like a, a stage area was set up in the middle of these people's office. Yeah. And so we did this kind of little fifteen-minute podcast segment in front of know, a handful of people and everyone else was just trying to work around us. Oh, no. So you've just got it me was. banging on in your ears on a PA system while you're trying to check your emails and nobody needs that first That's thing on a Thursday so morning. Awkward. Is what I'm saying. Oh, Orcs. It was Orcs. Orcswood. Oh, very good. Very good. I like that. Excellent. Well, that segues very neatly into what we've been watching. Now, it's Monday as we go out, but it's Thursday as we record. And Bordy, I'm assuming you were, you were invited to see the finale of The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power. <laughs> ahead of time so you've seen the final episode no i haven't you were not invited you no. did not get to see it no well that's unfortunate many people from empire were invited for, i was not among them and furthermore i don't care <laughs> fair enough okay well this has been it a great conversation like you don't care i, I thought you were going to talk about doctor who oh no, no we're getting to that we're getting, getting to that, that. All right, all right. calm down calm no, down i think they must by osmosis i can only assume that the lovely people from prime video <laughs> know that i don't really haven't really got that immersed in lord of the rings you don't care about what happens sure. to so Galadriel. i'm definitely not not up to get, watching the finale yet, no. put it that way. So well, they didn't bother to invite They screened it for a bunch of people in the Empire office. And on Friday night, we are going to, or as this goes out, we will have done a live Empire Spoiler special podcast on the finale of The Rings of Power, whereupon not only will we be banging on about it on stage for several hours, but we've also got the cast down, we've got the showrunners oh, wow. down, we're going to be on stage Q&A, we're going to get deep, deep, deep into the big reveal, which I literally don't know as we record this because I still haven't watched the episode. So, but uh, I'm sure it was great. Is, and there, is there a big reveal? You know that, though? I couldn't possibly say. Okay. Oh, I can say because everyone listening to this has already heard it or oh, seen right. it okay. because it's been on. Okay. It's very confusing. Is it to I, do with Sauron? Possibly. Oh, okay. See, I know that much. Yeah. 
just that, see that. See this. This. This is why I did that whole intro. The Dark Lord oh, Sauron has been revealed. Uh, it was you. Oh, yeah. Because the Dark Lord Sauron is revealed it was all, in the finale. Right. You okay. see. It was see? almost like he wasn't listening to his intro. It's almost like that. It's almost <laughs> like he doesn't listen to anything I say. Almost. Almost. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, so there's that. So that's a thing. That's a yeah, thing. Yeah. Good. Now, other things that have aired this week that I haven't seen include Andor. <laughs> Right. <laughs> which has aired the next episode has yeah. aired I haven't seen it apparently it's great I will say the previous episode of Andor so the one prior to the most recent one which is the most recent one I've seen at this point uh, where they essentially just sit around on a mountain chatting for the entire episode was my favourite yet I thought it was great I loved it and it's because it feels absolutely nothing like any of those other Disney Plus shows. It's just, it yeah. feels like an HBO show. It feels like a Star Wars yeah. HBO show where they just sit around and have a chat and have a little bit of interpersonal drama. And a I'm here like for it. A bit like us. A bit like us, Kate. A bit mm. like us. Yes. Yeah, it's mature. It. It's mature it is. Star Wars. I agree. I agree. I like that episode as well. Mm. Um, what, what's really weird, can I just say though, um, listeners won't, obviously this is not a visual medium, but, but my, my view of James Wright is yeah. I'm across the, the desk from him in yes. the radio studio, but I can't see your mouth so I can just see from like, your nose and eyes and you're like bobbing around. It's really weird. It's, it's so I'm obscured by the monitor. Is yeah, what you're it's like an intrinsically comical way of looking at you. Because look, so his eyebrows just keep shooting. Yeah, out. I can see the eyebrows and the kind of eyes. But that's very it. I don't know if I, can I lower the monitor? No, I can't. Uh, that's okay. it. You're stuck Maybe with if it. I look a bit higher. Yeah. yeah anyway, just you just have to I gaze into that. his eyes. It's fine. Should I throw that detail? Oh, look at this. The, oh, the desk oh, is coming down. The desk is coming I am revealed in all my glory. There we go. You can see my mouth now. I literally that, I spent 10 minutes trying to find a chair that would go high yeah. enough and he's just lowered the that's desk. I've just lowered the desk. That's yeah. the work of Sauron, right? That now. is, that is. And now do I need to adjust this? Now you, oh, you've all got to readjust your mics oh, now because yeah. I've literally lowered the desk by about a foot. this work better. So, okay. okay. Lots right. of shuffling of mics now. <laughs> That was amazing, yeah. wasn't it? There you go. I'm glad I was able to help. Uh, so that's that's the thing. Right, I you didn't watch Andor. Andor. Didn't watch Andor. Haven't wa I know for a fact that you haven't watched the latest episode of um, House of the Dragon because we discussed it earlier. Oh, well, no, to, and, oh. But that will, as we go out, that will have aired the previous night. Yeah. So, yeah, so you're right. The, you haven't the, watched it right I haven't now. watched it. I haven't watched no. it in advance. I haven't watched it in advance, although I do have access to it, but yeah. I have not watched yeah. it in advance. The other thing I haven't watched, this is a new segment, it's what James hasn't been watching, uh, is the final episode of She-Hulk, which I'm going to watch first thing tomorrow morning so we can record a spoiler special for that as well. Uh, but I'm loving She-Hulk. I really liked last week's. I thought it was great. Uh, so I'm I'm pretty excited to see see the finale of that. And I hear it's possibly the most meta thing that's ever been on TV. Really? Yeah. Well, maybe I'll catch but, up uh, with She-Hulk. Do you think this, this is what people tune into Pilot for, to hear about shows? that I haven't seen but they have so like they'll have seen all this stuff by the time I, I really this. think this is a segment he'll have on the next live show <laughs> live event what I haven't been watching yeah, and you know, why he, you know he likes to have a James themed uh, uh, segment yeah. I do know. love a James themed segment non-spoiler non specials of shows he hasn't watched yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's what we're going to do fantastic yeah I'm here for it yeah we'll do that um, you did you watched the uh, previous episode of of um, House of the Dragon, didn't you? With with the one that I oh, already, which went out on Monday, last so week. good, so good, yeah, I mean, so good, absolutely phenomenal. Yes, yeah. I I must admit that one where no spoilers, Damon Targaryen slaps the shit out of someone. Uh, I I I yes, is that Matt Smith character? Yes, oh, good. yes. Yeah. It's all just again, it's mainly talking. There's a very tense dinner party. Paddy Considine puts on the fucking performance of his career. It's incredible, uh, and then it all kicks off. And it's what's quite interesting. And again, I'm not going to go into spoilers. So if you're not up to date on House of the Dragon, do not panic. But the final scene of that episode a lot happens a lot of import happens and I kind of feel like if you're not paying attention during oh. the episode it will be lost on you to be honest with you I had to re rewind it and watch it about three right. times right were, were yeah. you, were you using two screens were you like looking at a phone at the same time <laughs> no no no. I, so even then I was like I, oh, I don't understand that I can rewind it I don't understand that rewind it yeah hmm. but, there, but there's yeah 
Um, Matt Smith seems the only character who's not aging, though. Yes, he seems <laughs> to be like, immortal. He's a, literally mm. ageless in the show. Um, yeah, so I just just thought I mentioned that. But, but it's yeah. So if if you didn't understand the last episode of uh, of that, you might need to rewind a little yeah, bit. You're not alone. Yeah, you're not alone. It was quite it was quite blink and you'll miss it. And a lot of it revolves around people of the same name. That's you're right. That's yeah. the other thing. And loads of people with the same name. Lots mm. of yeah. How many Joffreys are there? I mean, a lot of Joffreys, a lot, lot of Aegons. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of this going around. They weren't the most inventive, the Targaryens, no. when it came to naming people. No, they weren't. Nor were they inventive with their hair, either. No. I mean, you know. Yeah, it's, it is, as we have said from the start, quite wiggy. Very wiggy. Yeah. 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 But I do very, like it. Very um, hair and skin orientated today. Most. Yeah. yeah. Mm, you know, no. it's, it's our regime. Our regime. Regime? <laughs> regimen? What is it? What does one says in the beauty circles? Uh, regimen, I think. No, oh. regime. Yeah, anything. A regime. Skin, yeah, skincare From regime. which the free radicals are trying to break free. Yes. Okay. I understand. All right. So something I have been watching, though, I have a caught lot. up. There you go. I've seen a thing. I saw a thing. I saw a thing. I've now caught up on The Walking Dead. So you'll be pleased to know oh. I'm now up to date on The Walking Dead, <laughs> enjoying it enormously. Yeah, it's all kicking off in the Commonwealth. It's like it's all happening, you know. The big they ramp up to the big end of The Walking Dead, and I've missed it. I've missed oh. it a lot, and it's great. So that that was that so was that's good. the thing you've watched. That's the thing I've watched. You didn't even watch any of the films for the Empire Podcast. One here, that is yes. actually true. Yeah, I didn't no, watch any know, of the yeah. films for the Empire yeah. Podcast this week. Yeah. But that was not entirely my fault. Well, you know, we heard it was, I think it was <laughs> right. Okay, I, mean, I think it's pretty much mostly your fault. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, I, I had a, an amount of culpability. Yeah, yeah. yeah I will. I will. Admit. And then, of course, the last thing I want to mention before we move on to something that someone else has actually seen is C, because C, the C finale, oh. the C I feel finale. Like we've been speaking about this every week. No, no, no. It I may, may have mentioned it last week. You, but the C talking, finale talked, aired. Yeah, last week you were talking about watching it in your slanket. Yeah, I, I, no, I actually. <laughs> do you know what? I used to have a slanket. I don't. I no longer have a slanket, but I do have an. Udi. Oh yeah, Udi, seen, Udi, I've got an Udi, yeah, yeah, yeah. and but I also have my sea blanket, which is not a slanket, it's a sea blanket. To? Yeah, you're referring yeah. to the sea blanket, yeah. not to be confused with Sea Biscuit, which was a horse in a film. Now, uh, so wow. so the final episode of Sea, you know, the, the you know we we bid goodbye to Baba Voss, we bid goodbye to Tomakti Jun, all of them. You know, that was the end of Sea. Sea finished on Friday, and I have to say, it was emotional. Like it was a lot. I you know, I, you I, had, I had real feelings. Did it um, make the landing? <laughs> It did. It did. It skidded the landing. Skidded it the bounced landing. the landing. Yeah. Uh, yes, I thought it was a good final episode. There was uh, an unexpected romantic frisson Ooh. in the final moments, which I didn't see coming. And then a certain decision was made uh, about, uh, 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 well, I can't really say because it's a spoiler. But, you know, there's James, some, some no one's watching it apart from you. Boy, how dare you. Uh, <laughs> it was glorious. Uh, yeah, it was it was it was wonderful. Nice is it also Tamukti Jun's redemption arc. I, I've I've enjoyed that all the way through. So. Tamukti Jun. Yeah, Tamukti Jun. <laughs> Which finder general Tamukti Jun? Who plays Tamukti Jun? Uh, Tamukti Jun. Well, I'm, ba- I'm glad oh, sorry, you asked, Boyd. I am glad you asked. Yeah. Tamukti Jun is played by Christian Camargo, who played uh, Dexter's evil older brother Biney oh, in season one okay. of Dexter. All oh, right, okay. and has also done other things. Fair enough. Okay, but he is uh, which one? A general to Mukti Chen. You know <laughs> what happened to Queen Kane? M- you know Queen Magra. Any of these people? Kafoon. Any of them? You know, you, you have to watch it. Find the queen out. Queen who um, liked to uh, yes, yes, herself. the wank praying queen. Yeah, <laughs> wow. uh, Sylvia Hope. Sorry, Kay. Apologies, but this is actually does is what happens. It is a scene. thing. The yeah. wank praying. See, wank this, praying. See, so not only was your first ever interview boy talking to Charlie Hunnam about yes. rimming. Yes, you also spoke to Alfred Woodard about wank praying. I did. I did. You're so, right. Yeah, I interviewed Alfred yeah. Woodard. You got I? specialism for this. Sh- for yeah. Yeah. God, that, You're a very specific interviewer. Yeah. And I was going to leave this to TV news, but I might mention, whilst we're in the nether regions, <laughs> um, uh, you know there's a program coming up on Channel 4 called... Oh, yeah. My Massive Penis. <laughs> and 
the yeah. program. That's the title of the program. Really? Absolutely. Yeah. And What's the premise of the show? The premise of the show. Uh, Channel Four's got a series, a season of. I think it's called Truth or Dare or something like that. It's a serious thing, right? Yeah, well, like, they've it got doesn't se- sound like a serious. They've got thing. a season no, of shows. Yeah. Channel Four's got a season of shows coming up in starting in two weeks' time, roughly, um, where they're you know they're, they're kind of exploring their own outrageousness. You know how we're the daring channel back in the day when it first started. Right. So they're trying to revive that with this new season. And one of the flagship shows among many, there's a thing in which Jimmy Carr um, gets a painting. Paint, they've paid for a painting. Played. Oh, by Hitler. by Hitler. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. So and they're going to decide whether he's going to burn it or something. Right. Yeah. This is all part of the same season of shows. But my massive penis, the program. <laughs> <laughs> Boyd says, adding a caveat. <laughs> is is the actual title they've gone for. And it's a semi and, and and they are couching it in the terms of actually having a massive penis is is a bit of a problem for many men. A first world problem, presumably. A first, well, no, and quite a problem for some. Yeah. That's the premise of it. That it's not a great thing necessarily. Is this not a like you might assume, my wallet's too small for my fifties and my diamond shoes are too tight? Is it no, that kind no, of problem? No, no. But today, this very day, earlier today, Kay wasn't in the office today. I, I, I'm just read. So you missed this glorious moment. You would have okay. you would have appreciated it. Someone from our picture desk called me over <laughs> and said, "What should we do about the picture for my massive penis?" Because. The pictures that Channel 4 said, honestly, they are fairly explicit. Oh, and presumably really? massive. And and the, the massive members are there to be seen. In I the, think... And they didn't send... You'd think they might send a picture of one of the people taking part, like, cropped. But no, full on... Well, no, because it's about I mean, so, penis. Yeah. So, so, we to... had to, so we had to decide. I I, I think, you know, he's a kind of family magazine. No, do you know what I would have suggested if I was there? Go on. Slap that penis down on the page and stick an aubergine on it. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, we didn't do that. In the end, we I'd see the we, brains we, we of the operation it. was off. That's cropped right. It. You yeah. cropped it. What's we the point? It. You cropped the penis. Yeah, yeah, that show is about penis. So like, so yeah. what you actually have in heat is just a picture of a small penis because it's been cropped. <laughs> <laughs> no, Very you've got good. a picture of a man's waist. Right above waist oh. and without showing his penis. See, okay. See, when I'm not here, yeah, I'm not it just all goes to shit, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. Fine. Wow. Okay. Would you have insisted on showing the penis, Kate? I would, I would have done something to be a bit, disc- you know, modest about yeah, it. No, but, yeah, no, case classy. She'd have put an emoji aubergine over it. Because yeah. <laughs> it was an awkward conversation. Though, or and someone's I felt, face. <laughs> I slightly felt, I wonder if Channel 4 has really thought about the ramifications of this program for TV magazine, magazines that have TV in them. Because you're immediately thrust into quite inappropriate conversations. Yeah, I know. It's an interesting semi- choice of words. Yeah. <laughs> but I was like, hey, shock, I'm hovering any Hill minute. What are you here? doing? Why are you standing there looking at these pictures? Blah, blah, blah. It's, it's, a, it's a can of worms. <laughs> It's kind of something. What I do, well, what I do very much enjoy is that at some point, point you're going to have to Google my massive penis oh. <laughs> because you're going to need to know when it's airing or something, and you're going to literally need to Google that, and that is forever going to be in your search history, and there is nothing you can do about when it. When he gets hauled away at work, that's we'll it. Know why. That's it. Yeah. yeah. I'll yeah. be the first one leading I'm, that investigation. Bloody Channel 4. Ruddy Bloody Channel 4. Ruddy Bloody Channel 4. Right, other than people's massive penises, what have you been watching, Boyd? <laughs> I have been watching, I got up early this morning, this Thursday, um, to watch from Ryan Murphy Watch. It's mm. it's it's the latest in an ongoing series, which is pretty much every week now, Ryan Murphy has another like epic show arriving yes, like, on Netflix. Have a day off, Ryan. Yeah, stop. And sure enough, The Watcher arrived today. The Witcher. Uh, no, The Watcher. Um, it is based on a true story, extraordinarily enough, um, of a married couple with their kids who moved to a new home in New Jersey. 
only to find that they basically had a kind of stalker called the Watcher who was observing all of their activities somehow, mm. and they don't really know how. Creepy AF. Yeah, all, all, all the time, and sending them letters kind of complaining about their behaviour and referring to things that were happening in their family, only that he could, he or she could only know through literally like invading their space somehow. Right, so question. Yes. Is the person just doing it from like using binoculars, just watching them, or have they like somehow infiltrated the house? We don't know. This is the thing. So the, 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 the Ryan Murphy version of this story um, is that... It's basically he's he, like he does with almost everything except for mate, for the Jeffrey Dahmer series, which we'll mm. go on to later in news. By the way, stuff about that to, to talk about in news. Oh, good. Yeah, um, is to treat everything in this kind of slightly camp over the top, uh, kind of darkly comic way. So what he's done with this show is all of these the main characters that arrive, played by Naomi Watts and Bobby Cannavale and their kids. Um, they are they are bombarded from all, all of their neighbours are crazy basically. <laughs> it's bottom line, and they're all watching them and obsessed with them and invading their house. What? Yeah, they're, so there's it's so like it's a not whodunit. just one watcher. It's, it's watchers. It's like a whodunit. It's like who is the watcher? We're going to have who almost, watches the watcher? Yeah, the entire cast of neighbours, the characters that that the, uh, cast of neighbours. Oh my god, I got excited there. <laughs> the entire <laughs> cast of characters who are the neighbours of this family have some reason or other to watch them and become obsessed with no, them. I don't and know if I'm going to find that annoying. Bonkers. This and sounds this dreadful. This is the cast yeah, of the show. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. Naomi Watson, Bobby Cannavale, the main couple. Mia Farrow is in it. What? Yes. I think I don't know what the last thing she did was, but Mia Farrow is in it in full-on mad woman mode. I would say something, but I, 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 nope. I won't. Uh, Noba Dumezwaini, who was brilliant, um, brilliant actress, she's in it. She was in the Harry Potter play. She was in the thing with Hugh Grant. And Nicole Kidman, that was that show. Oh, the Undoing the show, the Undoing. Undoing. Yeah, she's having another uh, fine old time in this. Um, Richard Kind from um, from Kirby Enthusiasm in it, who's hilarious. Uh, Jennifer Coolidge. Oh wow! Uh, from the yeah. White Lotus, upcoming in season two. It, it's an he always assembles an incredible cast and a weird like me a fucking Pharaoh. I have to say again. And by the way, in episode two, there's a kind of Rosemary's Baby allegation thing that suddenly crops up in the thing so that again the casting is very meta and knowing by ryan murphy um question another question carry on <laughs> is this annoying i do you know what here's the bottom it line. sounds annoying here's the bottom line and i know that one of the ongoing um kind of running jokes of this podcast <laughs> is that beth um hates all ryan murphy mm-hmm. products pretty yeah. much now i think it's fair to say um and i i i go through i have my issues with um the dharma series the Jeffrey Dahmer series, but there is one great episode in it that's told from the victim's point of view, as I mentioned last week. Some of his shows, I don't, I don't think he's done that many great shows since his Netflix deal. I'm a big fan of American Horror Story, and still I'm furious they have not confirmed when they're showing in this, in this country. But the bottom line is, the Watcher, I, I'm in. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. It's funny. It's entertaining, and he's just about. It's based on this true story. He's changed the name of the family. But he's just about getting away with... I think the story itself isn't so horrendous so far. I'm only on episode two. I've watched two episodes. That it feels tasteless and exploitative. It is, it is amusing, funny, weird. Um, br- the cast, brilliant. I'm just fascinated to see. The Mia Farrow, I mentioned again, just like her in, in the, involved in this show, it's just so weird because you just think of her as having this 
the last two decades being a constant kind of opposition to Woody Allen. That's just all I think of her as doing in her life, perhaps unfairly. So it's, it, but bottom line, it's really entertaining. I'm enjoy- I know I'm going to carry on watching it. feels it. kind of unnecessary, I've got to say. Well, you know. But I'm going to wait for The Watcher Blood Origin, which I think is coming out later this year. <laughs> of course, yeah. Um, I'd rather watch The Watcher than The Witcher, that's all I would say. Yeah. Mm, I'm, I'm, try yeah. saying that first. Apologies. <laughs> so yeah, I've got seven parts, seven, five more hours to go. Uh, I'm in. Jesus. Yeah. I mean, that's short by Murphy standards. Yeah, that's fair. But that's also, short by Shantaram standards. Let's that is true. Maybe. That is true. Then the other thing I was going to mention were I'm going to mention a couple. I mean, in um, we're going to do Doctor Who in also out, I guess. But I did go to the screening of the last episode. The, the, of Jody, Woods. you can talk about it now if yeah. you prefer. Thank you, thank you, James, um, master of the segments, <laughs> <laughs> segment master. <laughs> um, Tell us about the power of the Doctor. The power of the Doctor. So it's embargoed. All the details embargoed until it goes out next Sunday, seven thirty BBC One. But they had a lovely screening of it. Um, all the, everyone was there. Q and A officers with Jody, etc. Et Canapes, yes. Ooh. With a TARDIS shape. And they had Doctor Who themed um, cocktails. Oh, wow. And stuff, yeah. It was actually really good. Oh, into it. Um, and I had a, a lovely chat with her afterwards. And she was, she's, she's one she of the greatest Jody. people. One of the on- things that everyone mentions, she's one of the greatest people in acting and showbiz and all that. She's such a brilliant person. Um, but I had a right of a time. It's great fun, the, 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 the 90 minute. It, it, they've, they've made it clear already that it's um, the Doctor faces the Master, the Daleks, and the Cybermen, which even a Doctor Who. Doubter like James knows are the three. This feels like this is Spider-Man three syndrome where they're just throwing everything but the kitchen sink at it. Well, yeah, it's, yeah, but but Spider-Man three. Oh yeah, Spider-Man three. That was, was not a good. Film. <laughs> but this is a fun. But but you haven't included thing. the most important part of the screening, Heavy Boyd. Go on. Which is that you don't know how it ends. No. So they um they you know it's, it's the regeneration episode. Obviously, so at the end of it, the Doctor's going to regenerate into mm. well question mark. Because they mean? didn't we know, show us, don't we? no, no. I mean, this is the interesting thing. So they didn't show us the actual. So you saw the big, the build up to the regeneration. You saw all the fizzy CGI, and then the lights just came up, and then screen goes blank. The lights come up. Amazing. They warned us first. Oh, okay. So yeah. Oh, and what good. was inter- What was quite funny was there was a little kid in front of me who couldn't have been like, somewhere about eight year old Aww. kid, and the um the person who introduced the screening said, by the way, we're showing you this episode, you're the first people in the world to see it, but we're not going to show the regeneration. And he literally went, oh, and she went, oh, I'm so sorry is, for the kid. Is this the definition of a doc tease? <laughs> That's good. <laughs> good one, James. I'm impressed. Um, so they didn't show it. And what all I would say is, and there's loads of secrets and surprises, by the way, that they've, like, it was filmed over a year ago, and they've kept the secrets and surprises brilliantly, I have to say. But, What's interesting about the regeneration is, is that obviously Shuti Gattel is the next Doctor, yeah, the fourteenth Doctor, we assume. But we all know that David Tennant has been filming a special of Doctor Who, written by Russell T Davis, that's going to is part of the sixtieth anniversary of the show, which is next year. Okay, and it could well be that he that she regenerates into him first, because I think that episode is going to be on before the Shuti Gatwa series, which isn't going to arrive until probably twenty twenty four. But does this work canonically? Like, can the Doctor, like, turn into an old Doctor? Anything can happen. You can do anything. It's science fucking... No, no, Boyd, no. You need internal logic. There have to be rules. They they invented the whole idea of regeneration so that because the actor... Well, they wanted to recast the actor because the actor didn't want to do it anymore. William Hartnell. Yeah, so it's all... They could they could do what they like, can't they? Obviously, as, as Russell always mentions with this kind of thing, we can do what we like. And so... But... Uh, so, But even the regeneration is open to doubt, and that's why it's even more exciting than normal regenerations. 
Well, I'm excited. Yeah. I mean, I'm excited. I don't know about you, Kate, but <laughs> I'm, I'm super, yeah. super excited. Oh, yeah. So, Doctor so Who, Doctor, great fun. And finally, I was going to mention, I went to see a London Film Festival screening of Mammals, which is the new James Corden starring um, Prime Video series. Oh, what was it like? Created by Jez Butterworth. It was really, really good. Um, and it's brilliant to see James Corden um, back doing absolutely prop acting. And he is, it's a reminder, he, he I mean, he can literally do anything. And he's just so good in it. But also, Sally Hawkins is in it, who I love, and she's fantastic in it. She plays his sister. Is Corden coming back to? Is he doing acting full time now that he's given up his talk show? I think he'll do his own. Deal? I think he will do his own projects. Yeah, he will, he's right. He's writing stuff. I know, um, and he will act and stuff. Yeah, I think he, that is pretty much. What and he is he coming to back to the kind UK? Of, oh, that I don't know. I think I think I, I have no idea. I'm going to make this up by saying I have a place on both. Text <laughs> but who knows? I, I think he can up. probably afford multiple houses. Well, so I'm sure, yeah. yeah. Um, but I think maybe they'll move back. Yeah, I get, maybe I've got, got the sense. And uh, uh, he was at the, there was a little a little thing afterwards. Shout out to him. Big fan. He said, you will be reviewing it on the podcast. I said, of course we will. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Just a last question about that. Yes. What were the canapes like there? Yeah. Did Fine. they have mammal mammal themed more... cocktails? <laughs> they didn't. Uh, it was That was more of an impromptu right. drinks gathering, I okay. would say. That I thrust myself into, um, so to speak. <laughs> so there weren't any canapes kind of as such. There were nice, there were nice packets of crisps and shit, posh crisps and nuts and stuff. Okay, nuts. Or was okay, it you cool. Question? I mean, this is my new segment, canapé watch. Yeah. So fine, nuts. Yeah. I'm not as impressed yeah. as I was with it by the cocktails, but fine. I'm calling it what I've been watching slash what I've, what I've been who, eating. Whose names I've been dropping? Oh, okay. Oh yeah. And clang, what you've been eating? Clang, yeah. clang. Yeah. That I hereby conclude the what I've been watching and who I've been name dropping segment for this week. Kay, what have you been eating? <laughs> <laughs> I've been eating everything. Right, I'm taking you to BBC One, Saturday night, your favourite show of mine, Strictly Come Dancing. Oh, it, that it, is that, what oh, I've been watching. It's almost like you don't listen da, to the rules da, da, of this podcast. Da, 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 da. Come on, come on. I listened through all your geek chat. I listened to boys' name drops. Tried to pick a few up. Come on, you've got to give me some time to talk about my love. Okay, okay I will say, just because we tortured you with at least two out of the three shows this week, I will give oh. you one minute to talk about this do, dancing do show. One even... minute, I love it. Do, so you're going to get your time right, your stopwatch The now. two things that I've watched I'm going to tell you about, right, they have been an absolute joy and a palate cleanser <laughs> for all the horrendous... No, they're good shows you've made me watch, but they are terrifying, right? Anyway, we'll get to that. But yeah, yeah it's been a palate cleanser. Strictly Come Dancing, as you know, is one of my favourite shows because I love the dancing and the excitement and the glamour and all of it, the drama, the journeys. But, Boydo, yeah. did you watch it last week? Oh, no, so when we come out, it'll be probably the week before, um, with Tony Adams and his um, Four Monty. I beg your pardon. Are we back yes. to my massive penis? Yeah. Like, well, much. no yeah. comment, but yeah. Okay, I'll tell you exactly what happened. Um, I uh, well, I didn't watch it, but I did uh, find that clip afterwards and watched his routine. Yes, it his was extraordinary routine. sensational. Yes. I've never seen, right, David Seaman was in the audience. Yeah. I haven't seen him laugh. So anyone laugh so hard as he did, as yeah. um, Tony Adams stripped off. I think, do you know what? He Good for him. Good for Tony Adams. That's a very embarrassing thing he had to do oh, on uh, yeah. primetime TV. But, you know. And can I point out that a couple of weeks ago we had a discussion when he did his first dance and you thought he was going to be out very quickly. But I pointed out, no, he's not. He's going to stay in because no, people love him. I didn't say he was going to be out. I just said it was. Uh, it, I, I said did. my toes curl back because like, it was so cringeworthy. And even this, I have to say, was pretty cringeworthy. But anyway. Uh, I'm afraid your time is up. <laughs> uh, we must move on. <laughs> no, no, no. Just very quickly to say, though, but it is brilliant. And if you. Uh, James, just kind of. Give it a go, maybe. No. Do it. 
again, if the cast of C were on Strictly oh, Come Dancing okay, listen, and it was listen, Baba Voss versus Tamakti Jun, I would watch forget it. Forget it. This is my time. Fine. Okay, fine. The other thing I've been mainlining is um, Virgin River, which I talked about a few weeks ago. You did. Right? And At I length. Put... <laughs> <laughs> oh, you can talk. James having a go at someone talking about the same show at length. I mean, the irony is... I don't know just, what you mean. Yeah. James, you total shit. Right? Someone put his mic off for a bit. Okay, like... I just go on, say, go I've on. Been... Tell me about Virgin River. Boy, I'm going to talk to you. Right, so... <laughs> You know, I, I you don't just... talk to me. Although I am going checking that my supreme purchase has gone with you because it's still, it's still. Boyd, like... it's, listeners, just so you know, Boyd is in some kind of virtual queue to buy a supreme oh, jumper. So annoying. Should, tell us about the jumper, Boyd. It I, is. This a... is unbelievable. <laughs> this is no. I put my foot down. This is, um, you, you would rather talk about Boyd's buying another supreme jumper, yeah. which frankly he's got three thousand. Yeah, of. he has. I haven't got that many jumpers. I haven't. Oh, ha- like, let me get my little violin out. Anyway. <laughs> it's a small scale speckle sweater in Heather Multicolor. Right, okay, so we're doing that then. Okay, fine. <laughs> and it's still revolving around the thing, like, please wait. I mean, I don't know whether to cancel the purchase oh, or God, what. look Sorry, at him. He's, he's, he's traumatised by if this think, game. I'm just ex- apologising if I'm being, if I'm slightly distracted. Yeah. Carry on. Virgin River. <laughs> yes, fine. Virgin River. I just wanted to say that I basically have continued mainlining it. It's fantastic. It's very joyful, okay? And it's like... Oh, you can say it's, you corrected yourself there, didn't you? I was going to say... <laughs> yeah. It's not fantastic. <laughs> no, but do you know what? It's just feel good and it's yeah. nice and it's not people killing each other like all the shows you made me watch this week. <laughs> but also, I just wanted to tell you that um, I wanted to thank someone who tweeted me. Well, tweeted the podcast, actually. Um, it is... Glenn Runnels and he said that he too um, has been enjoying it he liked the fact that we're bringing up normal TV yeah (laughs) normal and he said um, that he and his extended family have been watching it there's no D swearing or nudity it's just a nice wholesome warm hug of a TV show (laughs) there's no D is that what he said yeah which made me love him even more Glenn I'm totally into the I was going to say totally into the D there's no D or nudity no D or nudity swearing or nudity but anyway I just thought his summing I mean, up of that show as a warm hug of a TV show was fantastic and in fact he probably deserves a place on this podcast more than James because um, he's very eloquent in his synopsis <laughs> but yeah so just to say there are fans of these kind of shows out there good solid enjoyable wholesome. shows wholesome wholesome yeah wholesome there's nothing there is nothing wrong with wholesome sh- mm. look at they're literally they're curling up that like Boyd's <laughs> lips have curled up and like he's just <laughs> yeah look at you and he's like all scrunchy face about it wow <laughs> yeah I'm on the attack now because yeah, yeah. you've talked about God. Boyd's such an elitist yeah. isn't he oh, it disgusts me it does it really yeah, does yeah don't listen you wait in line James anyway wow. so that's why I've been watching some joyful shows because this week and actually I've had a bit of a Look at next week. It's just going to be <laughs> yeah, hell. Yeah, hell. it is. It is. The schedules are not your friends at the moment, Kay. Sorry about no, that. No, and then it, when it, I talk to you guys about it, because I thought, right, <laughs> let me talk to my sympathetic colleagues about this, about my the fact that I don't like horror or yeah. viol- super violent stuff. And Boyd's words were, <laughs> it's Halloween, you doofus. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, he's, he's, he's a is, sympathetic person. That, that is yeah. the fact, though, isn't it? You, yeah. You, you, Do we you have know. an HR section for the podcast? Yeah, you should probably complain. Fine. Okay. Just file a, file, a, file a grievance. Anyway. I finished now, so okay. you can go back to trying to place your order and um, mocking me. Yeah, too. boy, do please keep us updated throughout the podcast. I will. The you know the status of your queue. Everyone's yeah. gripped. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Well, I mean, it's still going, it's still whizzing round. A very quick drop in while we're still on the what we've been watching segment. I have, in fact, now as we go out on Monday, caught up with 
all the things that I hadn't done when we recorded this. Uh, the Lord of the Rings finale on Friday, which was amazing. And we did a Q&A. We did that live Q&A. The Dark Lord Sauron was there. It was epic. Hopefully that will be out by the time you listen to this on the spoiler special feed. Uh, we also recorded our She-Hulk finale spoiler special. Very much enjoyed that. It was just as meta as promised. But again, that's on spoiler special feed as well. I've also seen the latest Andor, which was the best episode yet. So that's amazing. And, and on top of all of that, the most recent House of the Dragon, which was the one that went out last night, as we'll go on Monday, was the best one of those yet. So all in all, pretty good week for telly. Shame I hadn't seen any of it before we uh, did the podcast. Um, the other thing I should mention, unfortunately, this week we did hear some very, very sad news. The passing of legendary actor Mr. Robbie Coltrane. Uh, we'll try and get into that in more detail on the next show. Uh, but yes, very sad. At just the age of 72. Now, back to the show. All right. Well, before we find out whether Boyd did or did not get his Heather-themed jumper, <laughs> uh, let's have this week's guest. Uh, he is a man who could probably kill you all with a packet of dry roasted peanuts, uh, but he's back splashing the gore around in this week's return of Gangs of London on Sky and now. It's Shopei Derisu. However... And this is absolutely true. It turns out that that red stain you see beneath his shirt is, in fact, not the blood of a London gangster, but rather a glimpse at the Arsenal strip he's wearing under his suit, as Boyd Hilton found out when he spoke to Chopin this week. Welcome to the Pilot TV podcast. How's it going? Oh, very well, thank you. All the better for seeing you. Thanks, man. Thank you. Now, uh, Gangs of London, one of our one of our podcast's favourite shows of 2020, a phenomenal first series. I'm fascinated by when you get the scripts, like the operatic nature of the show is so visually the whole atmosphere of the show is so spectacular and epic is that all there in the scripts like when you first read the script did you realize this was going to be that kind of show you know, when i read the first script for the first season i did get that feeling and actually that's one of the things that enticed me into it i was just like because i've got a, quite a theatrical background and started doing school plays when i was younger and then part of the national youth theater of great britain before i signed with my agent um like theatre and theatricality is always, it's like part of my DNA. So to see that that was going to be sort of reflected on screen, like the, the, there's the scale of the series, like was on the page. And I was just like, yo, this is so ambitious and so interesting. I don't know how you're going to achieve it, but I want to be a part of that. I want to see if I can help us achieve it all together. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely read that scale on the page in the first few episodes. And to the, to the showrunners, do they kind of talk to you about um, how the, the, the arc of your character is going to have? Because obviously he started out as, as an undercover cop and now he's in a very different situation um, as season two opens. And were you, what, what was your response when you, when you heard how, what they had planned for your character? The first time around, we had quite a clear overview of where we were going to end up by the end of it. And the second time around, it wasn't as clear. But... Um, it meant that we were always excited to read the next script, like what's going to happen next, what's going to happen next, like how are we going to tackle this bit? So it created a sort of anticipation that sometimes you don't always get. And I'm always one for reading ahead. Like if I know what the end of this, this story is, I'm like, what, what happens next? You know, and it's like, we haven't shot this season yet. We're already interested in what's going on like two seasons down the line. Like let's do one thing at a time, you know? So um, there was constant like anticipation and just like, but it also meant that we could have a certain input you know, rather than it be like, this is the story, perform the story. It's just like, this is where we think it's going. And I'll be like, but what if, and they were like, oh, that's a good suggestion, you know? So it was a bit more of a collaboration this time around. It's interesting, isn't it? Because even like the show is obviously a big ensemble um, mm -hmm. on, on one level, but equally, I think like your character, Elliot, is like, feels like the heart and soul of the show in a way, like the guy who we're kind of seeing, seeing things through his eyes. And even though 
He's an amazing like physical specimen and he's he's an incredible action hero now. But there's something almost like every man is about his cat him and his character. Do you, do you what do you feel that way about him? Yes, I think especially when we meet him in the first series because mm. You're right, we access this world through his lens. So he's almost a bit, despite his history as an undercover police officer or being in the military and the fact that he can handle himself, he is all, he is the outsider and we as the audience are the outsider as well. So we uh, we observe the world through his experience. Um, I think there's a little bit of continuity in that in the second season in that he's still not perfectly aligned or affiliated with any of the established gangs in London because after the death of Sean Wallace, you know, he's like ostracized from that family um, and there will be repercussions for that. Um, but yeah, he's still the outsider of this world. So, but whether or not the audience can continue to see themselves in him over the course of this series uh, remains to be seen. Right. <laughs> See, is he getting some extreme situations? I'm guessing from most definitely, and some like I don't know if we would entirely agree with. You know, right. he's always been like an ambiguous sort of compass point. Is he true north, and that is he good, or yeah. is he skewed? And there is a darkness to the arc of this season that I wonder if an audience will continue to be able to sort of side with him, or forgive him, or explain um, his behaviour. Yeah, because in a way, he's like one of those classic, like Clint Eastwood kind of characters. In a way, where like you, he's doing quite. He's carrying out very violent stuff, supposedly on you know, not necessarily on the side of bad the bad guys. Although you're you're involved with it to some extent in this series. But is there a sense that he's slightly enjoying how good he is at at dealing with all of these extreme situations? I think everybody in the world enjoys being good at something. You yeah. know. Sometimes I like to dream that I'm a good footballer and it may, gives me great pleasure to be on the field and expressing myself that way. Yeah. Um, but being a good footballer and being a good <laughs> assassin is still two different, very different things, you know? Um, I think that maybe there was, I mean, you're always joyful to be able to survive a situation as he does it many times in the first series. But I think that is no longer the case in the second one. Um, he is how to explain it. This skill set that he has is absolutely being put to bad use and there's nothing that he can do about that. And he's been putting that skill set to heinous use for the last year between the end of season one and beginning of season two. And it's taken its toll on his soul. And we find him at the beginning of season two in a very dark place. And I think he's, uh, he's unable to cope with the situation and uh, expresses itself through alcoholism, through like additional violence, sloppiness in his work. Um, so yeah, the, yeah it's, it's a real roller coaster he goes on this year. Yeah, we see that etched on your face. I was looking, there's some quite close-ups where you're, you're the weary kind of, mm. <laughs> the weary tone you have is fascinating because it, it's, things, things, uh, violence you know that you have to you have to completely um kind of go through you you are a violent character in this show and every time you kind of have a moment you don't you barely have a moment's rest before you have another challenge when it comes to people being violent towards you Absolutely. um is that when you see in the in the in the scripts there's a, another spectacular set piece action violence set piece involving your character do you now look forward to those filming and making those or is it slightly like are you better at it and do you think oh yeah i can now do these or have you always had the skill set to do that right from the start 
don't know if I've always had the skill set. It's definitely something that I've honed over the last two seasons of the show. But absolutely, if I see that Elliot's about to get into a scrap, I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> How can we make this the biggest, most dynamic, or most interesting fight scene that we've seen on television so far? I remember when we did the first season, um, one of the action guys, Chris Webb, was just like, this is going to be the best fight sequence on British television ever. And I was like, bro, okay, that's a massive claim. We'll see. And then... Um, it was it's, it was very easy to say after the seeing the edit that like I'd never seen anything like that on TV, and now I'm sort of like constantly hunting that not prestige, but mm. have an ambition. And I think everybody in Gangs of London has the ambition that let's make this better than the last one. Let's make this more interesting than the last one. Let's what what will be what will make this fight scene sequence stand out from anything that's ever been recorded, let alone just on British television. We've already broken that bar. Where are we going next with it? And that doesn't necessarily mean scale. That doesn't mean like, you know, I mean, we had a building fall down in the last season, but it doesn't mean that it always has to be a massive guy or it has to be a fight scene on a train. There are other ways to make it like nuanced and interesting and specific. And I think that's what we're constantly chasing. You know, we don't need explosions for it to be captivating. Right, absolutely, yeah. And when it, it, it's such a technically, must be such a technically complicated thing to do, those fights mm. and that physicality. Do you think actually, well, you mentioned your, your footballer. I know you, you know you play football a lot. Does even that help you in, you know, in the physicality, deal with the physicality of it? Yeah, most definitely. I mean, like um, everything comes from your core, you know, your explosiveness, your balance, um, your robustness. And I think... Football is a great uh, sport for core stability and and engaging that. And I think I've not, I have, there's no football skills that I've yet to use on Gangs of London. And <laughs> thankfully, no Gangs of London skills that I've used on the football pitch either. Right. But yeah, I mean, any any sort of athletic endeavour tends to help something else as well, you know. As a massive Arsenal fan, I have to ask you an Arsenal-related question. So, um, uh, yeah, exactly. Um, I apologise to my podcast colleagues who will be annoyed that I am bringing up Arsenal. <laughs> I'm going to. Um, which, if you could, one Arsenal player, you know, current or old, to get a cameo role in Gangs of London, so you could act alongside them. Who would you? Who would you pick? I think it'd have to be TT because he's the most charismatic. You know, he is. But, isn't um, it? Yeah. At the same time, I feel like. Tony Adams is sort of sort of the earth London. It'd be yeah. good to have him representing on screen. I don't want to, I could go for a whole roster, but like that's, that, that's a question I wasn't expecting. That's a very good one. Thanks. But yeah, Thierry's had a lot of screen yeah. experience already. So I think he'd be, he'd, he'd slot in quite nicely. Yeah. And he is incredibly charismatic. You're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. And Tony Adams is going to be doing Strictly. I mean, you know. So. Is he actually? That's yeah, he is. <laughs> what? He absolutely is. Yeah. Tony Adams dancing. Because I know you're like, you're a dancer as well. So yeah. Oh, goodness. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm going to see if I can get one of those studio tickets for that now. I'll queue up or whatever. You'll good. be able to get it, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> um, back to the Gangs of London properly. Sure. Um, there is, we should mention, there is a time jump of a year from the last series to this series. And, and do you think that that adds a whole other level of fascination, doesn't it? Because I like the way it kind of just puts little plot points in as to what people have been going through in that year into that first episode and so on. It's quite, it's a clever device in a way, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, like no one really likes exposition, like, yeah. oh, happening because of that and this, that, the other. But I think it also, not carrying straight on from the last bit means that, oh, there's intrigue and fascination. Like, oh, how what's happened in this last year? And if we can show that through performances or like 
little nuggets of information, like uh, what do you call it? Drip feed it or breadcrumb it. Then mm. interesting, like it's just technically interesting in terms of storytelling. It's interesting in terms of like the challenge of carrying the weight of a year that the audience hasn't seen and make them intrigued as to what's happened, you know? Um, but yeah, yeah. The, the, the last year in Elliot's life has been major. Clearly. Yeah, absolutely. Is it also, cause the show is so elaborate and you know, it's got, it's got like, so many VFX, so many, and it seems that things that you're not in uh, can, can be spectacular. There's an incredible house invasion sequence mm. at the end of episode one. When you see the finished episodes, is it, is it, it must be like a weird experience to see all of this stuff that you are in the middle of that you might not necessarily know exactly what's going on in the other kind of. Yeah, you know, it's it interesting for me, actually. Um, when we're in production, I tend to focus completely on Elliot's arc. Like I'll do the read through of everybody else and then I'll sort of remove their stories from my script so that I'm very focused on that. And then it also means that I get to watch like 50% of the show as a fan because maybe once upon a time I knew what happened, but I don't know what the changes are. And I get to watch everybody give their performances rather than have this knowing like, okay, this is going to happen then. That's going to happen afterwards. I was able to, when we had our cast and crew screening of um the first episode to watch that home invasion and be like bruh yo like just be surprised by it and i get that from not being too involved in what other people are doing whilst, mm. we're, whilst we're producing it when you get the scripts and they're it, it, how, how how do they look like with all the action sequences are, are they are they kind of you know stage directions all there is it is it kind yeah, of complicated yeah, yeah. yeah because there's very rarely much dialogue during the action sequences it's then just like a block of text that yeah. who's reading stage directions on the day has to sort of make really dynamic rather than just and then also who's just sat there like reading it like it would be much easier to just see this and it's 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 not as captivating in text form as it obviously is when you see it live yeah. um but also it changes like we, what the writer envisages is not necessarily what the location looked like. So, or what the stunt coordinator or designer envisages. So that's literally just a, bl a blueprint. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, we think these things might happen. And then how those things happen will be almost entirely different from how it's read in the first instance. What do you, do you prefer doing those actions? There's a scene in, I won't, I won't spoil anything. There's a scene in episode one where you've got a one-on-one -on -one scene with another character, which is very tense and sure. you don't know which way it's going to go. Do you, do you kind of enjoy doing those scenes as much, if not more than the action scenes? You know what? Like I do look forward to the action sequences. I mean, We've got an excellent team uh, in the stunt department and I've worked with them for a couple of years now and like we've got a really great relationship. So those are all for always joyful experiences. But sometimes when you've just got one other scene partner and you've got great material and you get to like, you know, spar with each other and do the acting, that's also really wonderful as well. Yeah, I bet. And finally, um, uh, uh, without giving anything away, is there one sequence? Is there one sequence that you particularly loved um, filming for for season two that you can tell us about? It is it, not necessarily one that I loved the most to shoot, but there is one that I'm super excited by because I haven't seen it yet as well. I just knew that it was an action sequence around the middle of the series, and um, so as not to spoil it, I'll say like there is a there's a very intense focus on sound, you know, and that was so exciting to read on the page because I was just like, oh, okay, that's, a, you know what I was saying earlier about like finding different ways to make the fights exciting. That made yeah. it for me. And I trust that Nima Nuritzeda, the director has crafted that in the edit perfectly, but I'm so looking forward to see how we achieved like dealing with sound in that particular sequence. Like 
I'm excited for that, definitely. Yeah, that's fascinating. Chopin, thank you so much for joining us up the Arsenal and um, congratulations on a brilliant uh, performance in a great show. Thank you. Thank you so much, man. Have a great day. Right, let's get into the post bag and find out who's been giving us grief this week. Let's start with this one, which is going to pull randomly out of the air. Hi, guys. This is from Jamie Evans. I'm a big user of Letterboxd to keep track of movies I've watched, want to watch, etc. I'm yet to find an app as good for keeping up with TV progress and watch lists. Do you guys have any recommendations to keep on top of all the TV? Okay. So do either of you use, I mean, <laughs> I'm assuming the way Kay is looking at me, the answer to that is no. But do you keep track of what you watch? Or has an app been even created that could contain the <laughs> multitudes of show that you watch on a daily basis? I contain multitudes. You do? Um... No, I don't use an app uh, at all. No. To keep track of any of it. It's but, all in my head. I know, which is, you know, yeah. dangerous. Yeah, Kay's referring to that. She thinks I'm, I'm no, he just forgets. non-compass mentis <laughs> <laughs> as I get older. I mean, it's true. I've made reference before to the fact that I have early onset, whatever, <laughs> no, no, memory no, no, loss. No. <laughs> um, so maybe, I, yeah, no, an app would be good, yeah. Well, I use, I use, I don't use Letterboxd, I use Tracked to keep track of films that are in my watch yeah. list. But also, so on my phone, what have I got? All I've, the films you haven't watched each week. I, all, the, all the films I should have watched yeah. for Empire and haven't. Yeah, I keep yeah. track of those. I think just a normal pencil and pen. Uh, what is this? The 1850s? A pencil and pen. A pencil, a pencil no and a pen. Nothing to write on, just a two writing implements. Pen yes. and a quill. Yeah. yeah. There is an iOS app called Sofa. Yeah. And in Sofa, you can have films, you can have books, you can have movies, video games, you can have all sorts of stuff. So I do have a list of media I would like to consume in an app called Sofa. But also, why can't you just use your like the notes on your phone? I don't get it. Why because is- that's chaos. Like you know, I need I, need, yeah, I, I use notes to- quite a lot. Yeah, yeah, I use notes for all sorts of things. Yeah, but I like the fact that this it like pulls in the artwork and it looks all nice. Oh, and it's like, okay, you know, it's fine. Good. I'm suggesting who wrote in? Uh, Jamie. Okay, Jamie, use a quill and a paper. Use use two pens, a pen and a pencil, whichever you like. (laughs) Or use your note section. That would be my advice for you. Right, okay. There you go, Jamie. Problem solved. Oh, this is a long one. Chris Slynn says, question with a pod, is Boyd a Time Lord? Oh, okay. The evidence is as follows. One, how can anyone watch as much TV as Boyd does without some timey-wimey shenanigans? That's fair. Two, he watches stuff in advance, slash way in advance, slash too far in advance, slash before it's been made. Also true. Three, does he collect quote-unquote vintage trainers with an impeccable eye or does he know which trainers to go back in time to collect well frankly if i think if he could go back in time he'd already have this jumper and we wouldn't be sitting here hearing about it but uh mm. four he lives in london probably with the world's largest tv this suggests his house is bigger on the inside oh, oh, oh yeah that's five his diplomatic skills border on time lordiness <laughs> six he is close friends with people involved in doctor who has he been giving them plot ideas or stopping the truth of his immortal nature from being revealed Seven, he has a collection of sidekicks. I think that's us, Kay. What? I'm not his sidekick. He's my sidekick. Oh, you've really... Oh, yeah. yeah. Are you a time okay. lord, Boyd? Come on, answer the question. <laughs> um, I'd love the idea of it. Um, yeah, maybe I am. I didn't even know it. That's quite a Hoovian storyline. Like, you know, someone is a time lord. What, that lord you turn out to be a time lord? Or, no, just someone is a time lord, but they don't know they are. Yeah, um, and they find you're out. You're an unknowing yeah. time lord. That's quite a good storyline. I might suggest that. Yeah, pitch it to Russell. Yeah, pitch yeah. it to Russell. Yeah. Okay. Russell, if you're listening, you can have that for yeah. free. Uh, right, okay. Laurie Kay says, Hi, I'm generally a scripted slash comedy TV chap, but can you please take a look at The Mole on Netflix? Ooh. The only reality TV I'll watch. Please Once you get past the, the American overproducedness of it, it is gripping with twists all over the place. And no one is watching. What is it about? The Mole. 
I've no idea. I just assumed Boyd would know. I really hope it's not an informant, and I really what hope it's about. What channel they say it's on? Netflix. Netflix. The Mole. Netflix. Go on, Google The Mole. Netflix. Let's see what well, it is. Well, I'll go to my Netflix app rather than Google it. Well, I'm um, just going to Google. There the are a couple Netflix. of shows that have dropped on Netflix recently that, again, as I always bang on about, they didn't really publicise, and I didn't end up knowing about. Um, maybe this is one of them. Yeah. Netflix. The Mole. The Mole. We're all we're all having a look. Who is a the group mole? of fourteen that? American strangers undertake an array of physical and mental oh, challenges? Yes. I've heard about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so it's like a kind of game show. Yeah. Why is it called the mole? Isn't it a reality show? Yeah. Um, because there is a mole in the in they have to. Oh, I see. So one of them is a mole. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Not an actual borrowing mole. No, I'm not watching this, Laurie. Unless there's an, unless someone in this is an actual mole man, I'm not interested. <laughs> Sorry. The mole man. Exactly that. Right. Teresa Richards says, Hi, Team Pilot. Just catching up after my holiday and caught the review of The Bear. Firstly, how come none of you have watched the US version of Shameless? None of you call yourself a tea review. I have show. watched uh, quite quite a bit of the US version of Shameless. So Boyd hadn't watched it, but now he's gone back in time and watched it. So in yeah. this timeline, he has yeah. now watched yeah. the US show. Now, this is going back. I mean, I think there are uh, there's loads of seasons of Shameless now, of the American Shameless. But I went back when it launched probably eight seasons ago or however much i did watch quite a lot of it and it was it's really good well she says william you know, h macy is is you know is, is yes the, is the main guy and he, william h macy is fucking brilliant and yes. everything so i actually i actually prefer his version in a way of that character oh, really? frank yeah um and the, the cast is great the, uh, yeah of course the guy from the, jeremy allen white jeremy yep. allen, right, yes i've just realized the relevance. yes that's that's where um, this was going yes and he's great in it and uh it's very diverse it's it's kind of more it, it feels much more obviously shameless the british version hasn't been on for years um but it is really good the american version yeah and i'm quite i think it's great that it's lasted this long i have to say we have a message here from G, <laughs> whose first message simply says, how do I DM? Is this a DM? Yes, this is a DM. You're fine. Uh, and G says- my, my mum? It could be your mum. My 15-year-old son, Boyd, doesn't want- No, sorry. My 15-year-old son doesn't watch any TV. He used to watch Doctor Who, Cobra Kai, and lots of other shows, but nothing anymore. He loves movies, MCU, Star Wars, etc., but has no interest in any of their Disney Plus shows. His friends are all the same. Is this the future? Will the next generation, the TikTok generation, kill? TV. Well, that's a bleak no, I hope not. slice no. of the future, isn't it? No, that, that's that, no, it's fine. Boyd says no. no. Boyd says that's not going to happen. That no. means it's not going to happen. Yeah. Is, do you think that's what's happening? Like when I'm watching House of the Dragon, all these kids are just sitting around just watching endless TikTok reels. Yeah, obviously. See what I did there? TikTok reels. I blended two things together, reels and TikTok, <laughs> as if they're the same thing. Yeah. Okay, great. I'm down with the kids. It's good. Uh, so, no, no. G, the answer is no, because Boyd has said so, and he's a time lord. Right. Uh, John Morgan has sent an incredibly long message that I almost certainly am not going to read out in full, but I will begin it. I've just finished this England and realised, apart from in the lead up to it, you never discussed it. Then it dawned on me that there's uh. been nothing on Twitter, like we've all taken a collective decision not to talk about it. And I sort of agree and see why. Part of me almost feels guilty for watching it, as it was clearly too soon for such a serious and tragic event in recent history. He also writes lots of other things, but I think it's along those lines. I keep meaning to watch it. I haven't I, watched it yet. I did watch more of it, I have to say. Um, I haven't watched the final episode, but it's really weird with with um, with this England because what what basically happened is that the queen the queen's death mm. happened, and so it was a victim of the fact that uh, among all shows they had to delay this one. Yeah. You know, and um, so sure enough, the lady, I think even just a week, but that meant that everyone's coverage of it had already been printed 
Like you know, we we did a preview of it in Heat, and I, and I, and and that came out, and because it was it was cancelled after we'd already gone to press. And you gave it five stars, didn't you? Uh, I think I gave it four. Four, yeah. Did you? Four, four, yeah. Um, and then by the time it was on, there was also an event. There was going to be a screening with a Q and A with Ken Branner and the that got cancelled as well. And they didn't they didn't they didn't replace it. They didn't um you know they didn't restage that event. Whereas most the BBC had quite a few events there to cancel, but they did put them on again. I hosted one of them. Um, so also by then but, it's kind of th- gone by the wayside. I think mm. also because by then real time politics. Was yeah, far that's true. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Everything it, that happened, yeah. it so. felt a bit yeah. So if yeah, it, we were oddly, into a new hellscape. Can you mm. Imagine how how hot. I mean. Michael Winterbottom directed Kenneth Branagh. The cast is incredible. I would say this about it. Um, I think it's much better than people have given it credit for. I, I agree with the point, maybe it's too soon. But the stuff about what happened in the hospitals and how old people particularly were let, mm. you know, t- taken into care homes, all of that, that is dealt with really, really well and, and, and reminds you of the horror at the core of that situation. Whilst there is an entertainment value in Ken Branner playing Boris Johnson, yeah. which is just quite funny all the way through. Dealing with a little rat dog, uh, particularly, like that is like a running joke almost that works quite well as an amusing side. But was the care home element to it better than the Jodie Comer, Stephen Graham? Uh, do you well, remember? oh, that was so good. Uh, was I wouldn't fantastic. say better because that whole that whole ninety minute yeah, film was, was on about one that. thing. Was on one yeah. thing. This is like it's woven into the narrative. Is the fact that these horrors are happening in care homes. The best person in it, though, the uh, and now I'm going to have to look up, his, look up his name is the guy who plays Dominic Cummings. He is brilliant in it, I have to say. And obviously, Cumberbatch played Dominic Cummings. He did, in in Brexit, the Uncivil War. But this guy, he kind of underacts a bit, which kind of works really well. Because Dominic Cummings is talking this absolute nonsense. He's such an egomaniacal, pretentious bellend. But this guy plays him very straight, and it works brilliantly. Simon Paisley Day is the actor, yeah. So... I think he's the MVP of the whole series. Oh, Is he quite Machiavellian in it? Oh, oh, I mean, I'm sh- <coughs> beyond Machiavellian. Yeah. Almost, well, like, just, yeah. As John points out, does this count as a uh, true crime drama? Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, but I don't. Yeah, I don't think it was so much that we made a decision not no, to talk about it. We couldn't review it. It was embargo till day. because it got, it yeah, got moved day, and then yeah. it got embargoed. Then yeah. we didn't see it, and there's like a thousand things to watch the, the week. I still haven't watched any of it, so uh, that's largely the reason why we haven't talked about yeah. it. Uh, only Boydie has seen it. Yeah, so it's, it's fascinating. That is the reason why, John. Uh, right, time for one more, and it's going to come from Gold Coast James, who I can only assume is in Australia, and he says, "Oh yeah, yeah, Andor." Hi team, not a huge amount of love from you so far. Somewhat understandable, it's been a slow burn. However, some love for episode 6, please. Made the build-up worthwhile. And no yucca plants in the corner of the volume in any scenes. Yes, Gold Coast James, that is absolutely right. Not a yucca in sight, nor a ficus, for that matter. Um, I, I know, well, we've already discussed this, haven't we? Yes, it's definitely stepped up a notch. I can't yet say whether this is going to be my favourite Star Wars show. Obviously, I did like Mando, but... It, it, it's certainly making the right noises. Like, Slow Burn is right. I wasn't sold on the first segment, which was the first three episodes. I thought the fourth episode was an interesting one. But now since, obviously, we watched those all early on when we first reviewed it. Now that it's now that I'm watching it week by week, I'm, I'm quite taken with it. I am quite taken with it. And Cassie Nandor, who, who is just the least essential character in Star Wars history, they've somehow made me care about it. And that's an impressive achievement in and of itself. So, yeah. Yay for Andor. Yay mm. for actual locations and no volumes. <laughs> the uh, volume. Yeah. 
I, I I really enjoying it as well. I, I keep forgetting to mention that in my uh, what I've been watching, but I have been keeping up with it, and um, it's because it's its own story. Yes, it created a, a a thing. It could have you could just completely ignore Star Wars in a sense. It's just, it's set in that universe, obviously, and there's lots of references and there's lots of you know machines that are so Star other Wars-y. than the fact that the Empire's in it I and it's know, a character from a Star Wars movie. What I mean <laughs> is the storyline and characters and the plotting is all self contained, so that. It works within itself as a thing. Fair is what I'm saying. Fair. It's got its own pol- politics in a sense. It does. Yeah, yes, that's what I would it say. Does. I had a quite funny. Uh, here's a funny note that I was sent. Actually, no, you're on it as well, James. Oh, am I? Henry Ellison just finished Cobra Kai, which is great, but the acting is terrible. Did you see this? I mean, one? it is. I mean, it is. It's yeah. true. What other shows are great despite their bad acting? I thought that was a really good question. What um, shows are great despite, despite the bad, bad acting? acting. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like Cobra Kai is an odd one. Like, I've not pressed on with this most recent season because mm. the first the first episode for me wasn't funny and it wasn't trying to be funny but as we said it doesn't have the dramatic chops to get by without humor yeah. so i kind of thought i don't know why i'm watching this yeah i, I may i may press on with it i may watch the rest of it it's it's on yeah. the list yeah um but there are quite a few shows that have certain roles that are quite bad yeah come on then name, kinda, no, yeah, name them uh, boy name them name them name, shame them name just one yeah you don't Give have to say which is the bad character to say a show God. that's no, I can't, I have you can't remember. I have to think of it. More. You can't remember anything. I think of it more. Someone also messaged me about Babylon Berlin, which I mentioned a couple of times. We've all ignored that, and that is every. A lot of people are saying that's one yes. of the great. People are saying that's shows. fantastic. Yes, we need. What to check channel that out. is it on? It's on Sky Atlantic slash Now. Well, I think that is all we have time for in terms of post baggery. But let's move on to news. Uh, and where better to start than the trailer for Picard season three? Now, as you will know, I had absolutely no truck whatsoever with Picard season two on account of it being absolutely dreadful. However, just when I thought I was out, like Michael Corleone, they pull me back in. And this trailer for season three has got me all excited all over again. All is forgiven. All is forgiven. And I'm back. They knew what they were doing. I'm back because Geordie's there. Riker's there. Troy's there. Crusher's there. You know, Worf is there. Love Worf so much. You know, all the crew are back together again. And I'm stoked. I'm psyched. I'm, I'm, oh. All His of it. eyebrows have shot up. Uh, they have. My eyebrows are on the ceiling. It's just, yeah, I'm I'm very, very excited about this. Kay, you must be over the moon at the <laughs> thought of watching Picard season three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Have you ever yeah. watched any Star Trek, Kay? No. Yeah. Of, and none, of, none of the iterations? Ever. No. no I don't film? believe that. Never a film? I don't none believe of the films. These, this is what normal people do with their lives. No, it's not. Look, <laughs> like, you'd have to grow up in a cave to have seen no Star mm. Trek in your entire life. Because, no. like, okay, right, Kate, what year were you born in? 80. 1980, 1980. So you you were a prime, you were primed for Star Trek: The Next Generation, like ready to go all the way through that, straight into Deep Space Nine, Voyager. Like your whole childhood was like Star Trek's golden era. And what were you doing? I had friends, and I went out, did and I know? just enjoyed did life. You? Yes, I did. Thanks very much. Um, yeah, and we've already know. established it's not like you're particularly discerning with your TV. So like you. Know. Oh. <laughs> So, oh like, I don't understand how Listen, you didn't get right? your Janeway on w- at some point. I watch a wide array of shows, okay? Uh-huh. Just because I watch Strictly doesn't mean I've got no taste. Now, I would like some support from the listeners. Someone out there must agree with me that, you know, you can ha- you can like different things. You don't have to just like Star Trek. I don't understand. <laughs> you are slagging me off for liking Strictly, right? And I'm just saying that doesn't mean that I'm not discerning. It just means that I enjoy, like, you know, entertainment shows as well. Wholesome entertainment shows. Mm. 
Uh, James does not compute. I, got, I, I cannot <laughs> yeah, compute. I, 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 I couldn't <laughs> have. Fine. Anyway, uh, yes. the long and short is I don't watch Star Trek. And you've never, but not not a single episode no. or film. No. That's actually quite I impressive. I don't know how else to communicate this with you. No, no but it's just, I'm just saying it makes you, you know, and I don't use the word lightly, a bit of a freak. Like, but, but to, oh, like you didn't see. Takes the... one to no one, James. <laughs> but you, like, you didn't get wished to see The Voyage Home in the cinema or anything like that. It's words. You're just saying words. No, like, none no, of it. No. Wow. James, can I just let you know this? Uh, <laughs> there are millions of people no, out there. I don't believe this. Similarly, have never. What? Well, I'm not the slightest bit interested in sure, Star Trek. I believe the interest I'm just part. Tell, I'm just saying. But I think it is impossible to have, at some point from 1980 <laughs> to today, to have not turned on the TV and been forced to watch like some but, Jean-Luc but Picard why, thing. Why, why are all these people yeah, forcing would, people? Exactly, why would it be forced? I've got forced remote control. Star Trek because like, there was a period in the sort of like 80s and early 90s where Sky One basically played Star Trek The Next Generation on repeat like 24 hours a day. Yeah, so, so I'm guessing <laughs> that lots of people didn't switch on Sky One. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Star, he can't, he, just, he literally can't compute it. I can't. Yeah, I can't that is hilarious. All right, some would say the same thing for you about, I don't know, EastEnders, Coronation. Yeah, but I've gone out of my way to actively avoid them. So that's a slightly right, well, different clearly, thing. But I have watched an episode of EastEnders. When I was a episode? student at university, I watched an episode of EastEnders. I can't I can't with him today. Yeah. <laughs> I Fine. just can't. I, I just can't. I can't, I can't. I can't even. I can't yeah. deal with right. both of you, actually. Fair enough. But yeah. Okay. Uh, so you won't be watching the All right. We've established that. Fine. So uh, also in news, I would like to point out, there was a trailer for The Witching Hour, the you know, the Mayfair Witches thing. Is it called The Witching Hour? Is it called The May- Mayfair Witches? I can't remember. The thing that is part of the Immortiverse or whatever it is with Interview with the Vampires. So it's the Anne oh, Rice Witches right. to go with the Anne Rice Vampires. Okay. And it's got Alexandra Daddario as Rowan Mayfair. And there's like hints of Lasher in there. And there's things. I, I enjoyed the trailer. I mean, we still don't know when we're fucking getting into it. We don't know when we're getting so. any of it. No. No. So, you know, it's all a bit academic at this it's point. Academic. But I'm, I'm quite, you know, psyched. It's so academic. It's well, what would you like to take? Kate, give us, give us some news. <laughs> give us a bit of news. What, what's interesting you? Um... Well, it's not necessarily of interest. I just uh, pull this together before I came in, but I saw that there's a second season trailer for the Mosquito Coast, which mm. I thought you guys might uh, be interested. Did in. you enjoy the Mosquito did you Coast? Watch, did you watch it? Absolutely. <laughs> I watched the trailer. <laughs> right. I see. And, so you've seen the trailer for season one, wow. and now presumably the trailer for season two. Uh, yeah. So anyway, there's a trailer out for season two of the Mosquito Coast, and um, yeah, I, I did watch the sec. I haven't watched the first series. I watched the second season. It looks very good. And that's what I had to tell you. In case anyone was interested, you see, it wasn't of interest to me, but I, there wasn't any news that I was particularly interested <laughs> I in. See. I see. Well, so, I, we but, watched... so I was doing a service for the listeners. Oh, that's good of you. Yeah. yeah. So we we reviewed Mosquito Coast at one point on the on the mm. show. We watched the first episode. I'll be honest, I didn't press on with it. No. I didn't love it. I watched a couple more episodes. Um, but well, I me... am surprised that there was a second season, I have to say. Let me tell you, it picks up apparently with the family escaping Mexico. And heading deep into the Guatemalan jungle, I'm not sure if that entices you further, where they get caught in a conflict between a local drug lord and his family so no bueno i mean it does star justin theroux who i would watch in anything and he and, and it's a absolute this is based legend. on his uncle's book it is so it's a family connection and of course he's he had a dinner you see he posted a picture of him having dinner with louis theroux last yeah. week which is lovely to see um so i might give it a go i might you know maybe i'll watch the first of the new season i know you hate it james when people skip over <laughs> It, it does make me a little anxious. It makes you, yes. makes you anxious. Mm. It gives you anxiety. I don't like it. Um, but I love Justin Theroux. Justin Theroux. Um, Justin Theroux's dog. Dog's Instagram is one of the greatest Instagram mm. um, things ever. What is the dog called? Is it Cobra? I think. Is like that, that the dog he owned with Jen Jennifer Aniston? Jennifer, Jennifer Lannister. <laughs> Jennifer Lannister. Now that is something I would watch. <laughs> <laughs> Jennifer of 
Lamb 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I, maybe. I think it might even be new. It just is, though. I think, oh, right. I think yeah, it's like a rescue. I think it's a rescue I dog. I knew they had a dog together. That they, so. uh, maybe that maybe it is that one. Um, but yeah, it's got its own Instagram, and it's fantastic. And I'm in fully in favour of Justin Theroux. Yeah. 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 Good. Um, did you see the BBC have released um, photos, new photos of the third and final season of Happy Valley? Yes. yes. See? Was there a picture of Sarah Lancashire in a police uniform? Well, listeners, I am literally turning my laptop around to show. Oh, and the classic, classic shot. Turn it around. Oh. And it literally is now, amazing. If it ain't broke, don't She has got it. a bloody nose. She does though. have a bloody nose. So that's an interesting A ruddy bloody image. nose. She's got a ruddy bloody nose. And also... There's it, there's a picture of a new picture of her nemesis uh, Tommy Lee Royce played by James Norton, who and this is this is in the press release. I'm just going to read this bit of the press release. Catherine is pictured with a bloodied nose in the aftermath of a police raid, while Tommy Lee Royce, James Norton, with a radically different look, is seen in his prison cell. <laughs> let's, see this, is let's see the, the radically, radically different. Show me the radically different oh, look. He's got a beard. He's got a beard. He grew a beard. He's got a beard. Right. He's got a beard. He grew a beard. Yeah. There you go. But I always all... didn't recognise him. <laughs> I know, it's extraordinary. <laughs> but all joshing aside, let's just bathe yeah. in the fact We get one more season. One more series of one of the greatest TV crime dramas ever made. So other good. than In Poirot. the world, <laughs> other than Poirot. <laughs> do you know Kay's a Poirot obsessive? Are you? Yeah. You're a Poirot obsessive. Oh, we'll get, I'm oh, we'll a Poirot. We'll have to deal with that another time. <laughs> but I'm extraordinarily excited about the the imminent arrival of Happy Valley. I think the BBC, I don't know this at all for sure, but I think they're going to hold it back right till Christmas. Yeah, they should do. Because it's the ultimate, you know, Christmas drama treat, isn't it? Yeah, treat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. serious, really, really psychotic, no, feel good. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing sums up Psychos. Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. Like but I think Valley. they are. I think mm. they are. I think it's going to be uh, uh, Christmas, yeah. So, um, and that's my guess. But I cannot wait. Yeah. So there you go. Did you see the bit where they announced that House of the Dragon is going to be four seasons of 10 episodes each so it's just gonna be four seasons i totally missed that yeah four seasons and out that's it how did i miss that i don't know i'm getting really high pitched uh yeah it's gonna be just four seasons that's it four and out i I mean this is probably because they seem to skip like a decade in between every episode there are time jumps so it's just oh my god like even the most well i said the most recent the one but one they said six years has passed since the previous episode you're like has it yes yeah so they, they're going to run out of time. And they do, every now and then, they have a clunky little moment of exposition, don't they, where one character says to the other, it's been seven years. Since <laughs> I, oh, thanks. Thanks, sort of thanks for that. That's why we all look older. And well, our, we, wigs, uh, our wiggy wigs. Except for Matt Smith. <laughs> except for Matt Smith. <laughs> Who looks yeah. exactly the same. Uh, yes. There's lots of Netflix news. Is there? This week, which is interesting. Industry, I oh, think. Yeah. Oh, the, there's this ratings thing. There's the mm. ratings thing. That's one of them, yes. So Netflix has agreed to... Let Barb, which is the British ratings um, company mm-hmm. who do the official uh, ratings, I keep saying the word ratings, uh, for all the channels, uh, day in, day out. They do overnights and then they do um, you know, uh, consolidated uh, figures for all the, all the TV channels. But, of course, Netflix has always stood alone and refused to have its ratings um, measured by any of the official ratings people and publishing it. But they've agreed, in the UK only, to let Barb... Measure their ratings, so we will know literally how, for first time ever, how Netflix shows face up against how they measure in ratings terms against other channels. And apparently, in in the in one of the reports, I think it was in Variety, it said that rumor has it that Netflix, a lot of shows on Netflix are being watched by more more than people watch Channel Four and Channel Five, for example. You know, if you like most Channel Four, Channel Five shows are watched by maybe like two three million people, kind of, and that's that's a good that's a good amount of 
viewers. For but is that new? Is that breaking? Well, I think it's interesting because you just don't know. That. I wouldn't necessarily assume it. Uh, you, it's, it it's, they're so mysterious about it. that, the, And all they say is, you know, millions of people watched the first two minutes of this episode of this new thing. But this way, they're going to actually measure it in a way that compares it properly to what's going on in the other in its rival channels. So I think it's hmm. really interesting. Yeah, that's so that's one. The other, other industry news is that they released, listen to this, Netflix released 1,024 original TV episodes in Q3. More than five times any other service, Jesus. and it's a record breaker Whoa. of any TV channel of any kind. The number of original TV episodes, a thousand and twenty-four, only in one quarter. How many of them were thematically connected to The Witcher? <laughs> How many of them were written by Ryan Murphy? <laughs> that's true. Yeah, well, produced by Ryan Murphy. Um, so that's incredible. That's bananas. Doesn't stop there. Okay, there's Ooh. more. There's more um, Netflix stuff. Dharma, the aforementioned Jeffrey Dharma show, is now already, it's only been, it only dropped three weeks ago. It's the second biggest English language TV show in Netflix history. <sighs> I find that depressing. So do I. It's already doing better than, you know, Bridgerton, etc. And that's, it's only been on. <laughs> to be fair, they've been marketing the shit out of it. Yeah, but they really market well, Bridgerton. But you know what? They didn't even need to market, market the shit out of it because as soon as it dropped, it went, it was an absolute blockbuster hit because like, it's are obsessed with this stuff billboards in central london yeah, it's on is. buses like it they've is. spent quite a lot of money to push that i i, I genuinely would be fascinated to know w- how they decide that dharma is going to get millions spent on above the line advertising and then they'll just drop other stuff without even a press release and it's just there like but how do they decide what they're just going to chuck out on there and what chris calls a knockdown ginger release where they just ring the doorbell and run away and then (laughs) and then whether they're going to take darwin they're going to go massive and turn it into this huge event like it seems very random I'm sure it's not. I'm sure there's a there's a massive strategy a, document. It's a somewhere. total strategy, which is mm. that the strategy is we don't need the fucking critics. Fuck, screw them. Mm. What we need, we don't need you know coverage in old school you know um, media. Media will advertise the shit out of it, and, or not, or not. Well, but uh, advertise it almost once it's on as well. Once it's there, has arrived, and people can get into it and they put it they, they put it at the top page of your interface yeah. and it's there this huge picture of Jeffrey Dahmer's face and people watch it it's, it is extraordinary but it, do you know what the first, its biggest show is of all time uh, uh, The Witcher Squid <laughs> Squid mm. no oh, it's, it's not Squid language, by the way this is oh language. right yeah no. What is the biggest one? I did know this, but yeah, I've forgotten. If you, yeah, you forget. It's Stranger Things. What's well, Stranger Things? The last series okay. of Stranger Things. Okay. 1.35 billion hours in its first 28 days, whatever the fuck that means. Yeah, I'd be interested to see how this translates when there's actually some kind of third-party verification of the yes. figures. Yes, I agree. You yeah. Know. yeah. But interesting. It's interesting a number stuff. crunch. Since we've number crunched, I think that heralds the end of news. So let's move on to this week's reviews. And we begin, as indeed we should, with The Peripheral. This is based on the William Gibson novel of the same name and stars Chloe Grace Moretz and Jack Rayner as two siblings trying to make ends meet in a future in which the lines between cyberspace and real space are rather more blurry than, for example, your average game of World of Warcraft. So, Boydie, let's hear about your vision of Peripheral. Uh, <laughs> like peripheral vision it's yeah very good, good. Um, good I was quite looking forward to this because uh, I'm a science fiction fan unlike Kay Ribeiro for example I'm kind of like probably like halfway between Kay yeah, Ribeiro's complete refusal yeah. to have any truck with science fiction <laughs> as an entire genre yeah. and fantasy by refused the way refused to engage with it refused yeah. to engage with it furious that we have to review it yeah. and James at the other end of the scale <laughs> who, who lives there the, the annoying every, end yeah, yeah. 
and learning everyone's character name by the, within <laughs> two minutes, etc. But I do like I quite like a hard sci-fi show, and I've actually read some William Gibson books about this. This is based on a William Gibson novel. Yep. I think William Gibson is a brilliant writer. He is. I, the books I've read, I haven't read this book. Have you read this? book? I have not read okay. this book. So I would describe. I have to say the the build up. The um, press campaign, the marketing, the title sequence, which is beautiful, mm. by the way, I thought, would lead you to believe this is going to be something different to what I think it actually ended up being from the first episode that I've watched. I what did you think it was going to be? And what? I, right. The, 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 the description, I wish I, I need to find it. It was all about in a far place at the end of the universe or something, Chloe Grace Merch's character is dabbling in stuff she doesn't understand and with her brother and then transported to another universe in another time. It's all very like yeah. highfalutin. I was expecting it to be more like, I don't know, something. What it ends up being, right, for me is <laughs> it's like Ready Player One, mm. Steven Spielberg from Ready Player One meets Westworld meets Tenet. Well, it would be Westworld. Obviously, this is produced by Jonah Nolan by, and Lisa Joy. Yeah. It's produced by the Westworld team. And it's got a kind of tenety time travel thing going on where where basically one future, which is basically London in the future, taps into another bit of the future where Chloe Grace Moretz and her brother Raj, the Jack Rayner character, and get them involved in London in a different future from their future. But it's all set in the future, right? It's, I Can found you say it future? Quite <laughs> so I found it quite confusing. But it feels like a slightly smaller scale, I think is what I was, than what I was expecting. And it, like, if you think of Westworld, actually, I mean, Westworld got more and more epic visually, I think, as it wore on. But, and by the time the last season ended, which I had massive issues with, um, it still looked phenomenal. And like, you know, vast cityscapes and this i mean i'm not uh, it shows you how you know how how far tv's come whereby i'm slightly complaining about the visuals of a show that does have a future cityscape of london which looks quite interesting and is semi convincing but equally a lot of it is just Chloe Grace Moretz playing a computer game essentially mm. like you're watching her taking part in a computer game and literally her and her brother are computer game experts seemingly and, I, and I'm like have you left out the whole computer game element of the show out of your marketing because I think you don't want to I alienate. wonder why yeah I wonder <laughs> why you don't want to alienate people who aren't into that at all you know and a lot of it's just kind of watching them getting involved in this as I say computer gamey style adventure and I just wasn't engaged with that particularly I didn't find it particularly engaging um, I quite like the idea of of what was happening and the kind I of mind, I didn't mind outla- that oh, okay. you liked it more than me I thought she was Kate's good. a massive sci-fi fan <laughs> um, yeah she's great Jack Rayner's great they're both kind of um, charismatic but I didn't I, I just thought it was a it was a bit kind of exhausting that first episode watching establishing this kind of um, yeah adventure carry on. I know what yeah. you mean no I know what you mean you are just watching someone playing a game like yeah, yeah so it's kind of like mm, why am I watching this but I thought Chloe Moretz was very good and convincing in that role but other than that I've got nothing much to add to the conversation other than saying it was brain scrambling um, but I did I I did enjoy it. I enjoyed it much more than I thought I was because I was very grumpy this week. You were very oh my grumpy. Gosh. Our WhatsApp group was an oh, absolute state. <laughs> it was a bimfire. Yeah. I was I was furious. I mean, I'm going to come to that later on. We'll talk about another <laughs> of, the, of the shows. But out of the two, uh, you know, by the time we got to this, because I watched Gangs first and yeah. then this, so actually it was sweet relief. 
um, in terms of like it wasn't very violent. No. <laughs> um, so I could I could deal with the geek the geeky stuff. And I've just fine. found the description that I, that I was referring to before about you know the the ambition of this show. This, this is from the official press release. It gives viewers a hallucinatory glimpse into the fate of mankind and what lies beyond. No, not that. No, not that. It just it's, it's like someone playing. Well, it's actually it's someone playing a video yeah. game. Yeah. So. It's great, and I loved it. Now, uh, <laughs> for so many reasons, but I loved the concept of it. I thought it was really cool. Obviously, it's not 100% original, but it was an interesting sort of twist on that virtual reality, reality blend idea. But I like the fact that they used the grammar and the livery of video games. There's a bit where she goes in, and weirdly, she's pretending to be her brother, who is Jack Rayner, so yeah, she's using weird. his avatar when she's in the game. But she's on a bike, and the way it's sort of laying out the path thing on the road feels like many games that I've played, and I just thought that's kind of cool i like the ideas of it i liked the th there's some it takes some unexpected turns so there's obviously i've got the first three she there's a big firefight in episode two which is again it's really interestingly staged and it sets characters up in a way that maybe you didn't realize they were going there is some i can't remember is it in episode one or two where there is some shall we say ocular trauma i oh think if God. it had been episode one, one. Oh, it is one. one okay it yeah one. yeah <laughs> that's a lot that is a lot that, oh gosh like mm. yeah the I bit I could have, I was like, oh, 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 come now, come now. In fact, there are both shows this week have had scenes of very upsetting eye trauma. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for noting that. Yeah, I did. I was like, well, we'll get onto that in a bit. But yeah, I thought this was good. Also, Boyd, this was lavish. Uh, it felt really expensive. It felt really slick. Like it felt like it had like, you know, off cinematic production values at mm. times, which I really enjoyed. It's directed by Vincenzo Natali, who did Cube, which is one of my favorite kind of lo-fi science fiction films. Uh, I, yeah, I, I, I really, really enjoyed this. And I'm fascinated to see where it's going because I think the concept is very strong. And I think the central performances, Chloe Grace Moretz and Jack Rayner are very good. And also, who plays the uh, the woman who is the almost like the dungeon master in the game? Uh, oh, yeah. Because uh, like, she's one of her, oh, I know your face. She and I can't good. think why I know your face. Why do I know your face? Um, no, that was know. very confusing because you were saying that while pointing to Boyd. Yeah, yeah. I, know. I know. Why I do I know your face, you Boyd? Why do I know your face? Yeah. Uh, but I can't think what her name is. So we have just looked it up. It is, in fact, Charlotte Riley from Peaky Blinders. But she's really good in this as well. And yes, I, I enjoy this a lot. This is where I live. This is what I want from TV. This Give me more I of the live. peripheral, please. It is excellent. So good. Yes, the peripheral then, which airs on Prime Video on Friday, the 21st of October. Right. Next this week, we have Somewhere Boy, in which a father keeps his son indoors until he's a teenager with tales of monsters lying away outside the house. Of course, when his father dies, young Danny must navigate the real world monsters and all. Now, of course, who better to talk about Somewhere Boy than our very own Somewhere Boyd, except Kay wants to talk about this one because Gangs of London has traumatised her. So, <laughs> Kay, tell us about Somewhere Boy, in which someone does not have their eye viciously removed from oh, their head. God, yeah. I mean, that is a bonus this week. This is one show that's not going to give you nightmares. Well, Actually, it kind of will. It might. It's, it's very messed up. Mm -hmm. Basically, as you said, um, Steve, the dad in this, played by Rory Keenan, um, and his young son, called Danny, sorry, I should say, Lewis Gib Gribben, go and live in the middle of nowhere um, because the dad's theory is, and he's clearly in the midst of a breakdown. Oh, yeah. His theory yeah. is um, the mother's just been killed in a car crash and he wants to protect his son from the monsters that lurk outside. Just And so they go to this house, they live in there, and the son is not allowed to go outside. Yeah. And all they do is watch black and white movies with happy endings and listen to records. And yeah, that's about it. The dad occasionally ventures out to get food um, and has a very, I mean, takes very extreme measures to ensure that the son doesn't ever want to do that, yeah. which I found 
I mean, I, I mean, the whole thing is quite bizarre and unsettling and upsetting. But that particularly that scene was just like, what the hell? Um, but yeah, essentially, it's about you know this tragedy occurs, and then the young boy has to venture out into the real world, and it's about how he um, copes with that. And I just thought the the young boy Lewis Gribben was fantastic in this role because it's kind of like every time, he, you know, when he eventually left the house and he was living in the real world, he goes to live with his um, auntie played by Lisa, is it McGrillis? Yes. Yes, who is fantastic. She's from Mum, who I was obsessed with. Mm. Um, and um, when, she go, when he goes and lives there, it's kind of like this mix of like, he's in awe of just everyday stuff like Instagram, the television being in colour, stuff like that. But also it's just really kind of sad and upsetting and like disturbing to see how much like he has lost, his childhood has been lost in a way because he's been so sheltered. And, you know, obviously he's got Stockholm Syndrome for it, but also he just thinks his dad was just doing, doesn't think his dad was doing anything wrong. And yeah. that's, and it's really, it's kind of disturbing and upsetting, but also there's something, I don't know, I thought it was quite, it's well done because also you just think, well, actually, in a way, because he meets his cousin who's quite messed up in his own way. He's a young boy. He's a bellend. He's a bellend, but he's adapting different personalities as they do in teenage, you know, in teenage years to, you know, he's just very shape shifting. And actually, the young boy, you know, the isolated chap, Danny, is quite confident in himself, even if he isn't in the real, you know, in his surroundings because he's a fish out of water. And it's kind of interesting this dynamic between the two because whereas Danny's quite comfortable in his own skin, this other who's the um the character who plays um his cousin. Um I haven't written it down helpfully. Um the actor Aaron plays cousin. Yeah, it's, uh, it's Samuel Bottomley. Yeah, he plays Aaron, his cousin, his um yeah, as James said, Belland cousin. It's a nice dynamic. I'm interested to see um where that goes. But yeah. I thought I thought it was good it's, it's very dark um and but very gripping Ooh, dark and gripping yeah i really liked it i thought that um it's a really tough it's a huge sell isn't it to convince the viewers that a father even in the extreme circumstances and they don't they kind of they they build up to showing you what exactly happened to the mum such mm. wife don't they to to yeah i think i just got it from the press release to right <laughs> to push um this dad to the to the measure of literally not letting his son out of the house at all yeah where they live in this in this isolated place and that is like you know essentially abusive really isn't it I oh, mean, yeah. oh god yeah and um, this is the whole thing isn't it it's yeah. like yeah but but i think it's fascinating how well the cast, particularly, he is, as you said, Lewis Gribben as this guy this poor kid is amazing he's got like a kind of haunted look to him he's unbelievably pale as you would be if you'd spent your entire life locked up in a house and not let out and he just looks and acts the part so brilliantly that he is a lot of the reason why i think you actually believe this extraordinary premise um and the flashbacks are really well you know i often complain about tv peak tv's flashback obsession but in this case they're absolutely essential because they slowly unravel more and more of what it was like for to, as a kid for him to be brought up like this, and more about the detail of the mum and the detail of what the dad's like, the stuff they watch. The, you, know, you should say these old movies, you know, these mostly black and white um, classic films that are kind of light-hearted to keep him to keep him entertained, keep them entertained. It's kind of grim, but it's so well done 
that is it is also at the same time quite funny you know that, that once he is unleashed in the world and he's finding more and and the, and the doofus i would say doofus more than bellend the the there's a, there's a fine distinction yeah. yeah he's not that horrible and he you know he tries he's, he's prone to acts he's, of bellender i know though. i know yeah. but he's, he, he essentially i think he's mostly a good guy most the, the lisa mcgrillis as you mentioned from mum is fantastic because she really is caring for for the kid and doing and she's her juggling her own life right yeah, she's, she's taking this issues, this yeah. um yeah, yeah, her nephew in. Yeah, so she's fantastic. But the uh, but the reason why kind of the whole series has legs really is because more and more, it, just putting him in worse. Any normal situation, going to the pub, um, you know, just he at one point he invades a neighbor's space. You know, like really statement. Yes, pretty much everything he does is inappropriate because of he he has no concept of of in quotes normality. And I think the the series has quite kind of interesting ideas about you know how you're how socialized you know how we're socialized and what people who is considered weird and freaky who's what's why are you looking at me when you say i'm looking at you (laughs) i have to say (laughs) um and i think that's really interesting um so yeah i I thought it was fascinating and and just a rare a really uh, i know there was there's similar um stories but nothing quite like this like i i haven't seen anything with that quite this idea an idea like this at the center of it so i thought it was really good What's the what's the Brendan Fraser film where he's in the bomb yes. shelter and yes. he's because they thought it's been a nuclear war and he comes out mm. of the bomb shelter. I can't remember, I can't remember the right, name. Blast yeah. from the past. That's it. Right. Blast from yeah. the past. Yeah, uh, you know, which is a which is a very sort of twee comedy centric spin on a similar tale. Which yeah. this is more about kind of the effects of abuse and human trauma on a young mind and how he's kind of fractured and how he has to deal with this. You know, he's kind of a bit PTSD'd and I think struggling to to cope in the real world. Like I like the I think his performance is. You're absolutely right. I think there's his performance sells this. I think there's actually a really nice, I'm going to use the word verisimilitude, to Ooh. all of this. Like, it, it feels believable. It feels mm. like if this had happened, this is exactly how it might play out. And I have questions. I have complexions about the sisters or his aunts, compl- how complicit she was in this whole thing, what she knew, what yeah. she didn't know. So I do have questions. I quite would like to find out what happened. However, I'm probably not going to. Oh, it's one of those because it's one of those things. Can't carry on watching it. No, I feel a bit like I feel a bit like you know I can't really fault it. I think actually the premise is strong and I think it's actually well executed, but it didn't grip me. Uh, and that may say more about me than it says about the show. I think but it just does. yeah, quite possibly. Yeah, it's it's not for me. There was wasn't enough sci-fi in it or something. But uh, <laughs> you yeah. know, I could pronounce all of the names without rolling my R's, yeah, and yeah, you know that doesn't sit yeah, well. The with names me, so. are very normal. Yeah. So so. Yes, maybe not for me personally, but it could be for you. Mm. Somewhere Boy then, which airs on Channel 4. When, Boydy? Well, it was started Sunday, the day before we go out. And then oh, so it's already on? Yeah, it's four consecutive nights, though. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. All right. So it gets to on a technicality. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> right. James <laughs> annoyed that we... I, I knew he was going to say <laughs> Finally, this week, we have Kay's favourite show. It's Gangs <laughs> of London Season 2, which we've already heard about. This is the return of Chopin Dorisu's Elliot, the undercover cop turned reluctant hitman, uh, who obviously survived the bloodbath of season one. But whether he makes it to the end of this one is anyone's guess. Uh, it is bloody, it is violent, it is brutal as hell. Um, obviously, notorious gorehound K would love to tell us about it. But let's hear what Boyd thought first. Boyd, do you want to be in Sky's gang? It's gangs that's on oh, yeah. Sky. It's good. Okay. It's good. It's good. Yeah. It's a solid pun. It's, it's pretty good. Um, I loved. Season one of Gangs of London, um, which was 2020, uh, a long time ago. It was, now. yeah. 
Um, it was a massive, uh, like we were all in lockdown. I think when it ca- when it arrived, it's a big event. Yeah, it and it felt like perfect kind of lockdown viewing because it was so incredibly. What else can make this situation hellish but can give you nightmares? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but so this is the thing. It's because inter- it is spec properly spectacularly oh my violent and gory, and limbs are hacked off, eyes gouged out. I mean, the eye thing in this the was thing just is oh. a lot. Um, but somehow it kind of it don't never feel it just establishes a tone yes and I wouldn't say it's cartoony it's almost like but it's very heightened the violence mm. there's a lot of I think CGI splattering well parts. I've got a question for oh, you yeah, about the on. violence and yeah. my question is this so obviously this was uh, Gareth Evans was kind yeah. of at the, at the helm of this for most of it he was the showrunner for the season one uh, of the raid fame of yeah, of the raid fame yes indeed and Corinne Hardy who directed a lot of season one is yeah. now showrunner for season two now yeah. do you think because season one Gareth's background is obviously very martial arts Silla Indonesian sort of stuff as you've yes. seen in the raid Corin's more a horror guy yeah. did you find here that the emphasis almost moved like there was more of a horror feel to it because Maybe. don't get me wrong there's a yeah. lot of violence in season Maybe. one but it felt like it was very very bloody violence was this felt like it had more of a horror dna to yeah, it you might be right actually yeah like, thinking about it maybe perhaps yeah um but i just love it i think it's so it's it's really well written for this kind of show mm. you, you completely fascinated by the characters like so um you know uh Shopidrisa's character Elliot who was a undercover policeman infiltrating the family to find out what the fuck was going on with this like you know with the, the London drug dealing gangs now he's ended up this is takes place a year later from the events at the end of the previous one he's now working for the people who are really running things in this international global drug dealing operation who are trying to kind of maintain some level of power and and kind of um, calm, while all the different rival families are from different nationalities, etc., kind of are, are basically constantly on the brink of war and ultra violence. Um, so he's in a completely new place, and he is just—he just exudes charisma. I think he could be the next James Bond. He just looks the part. He's got—he's got that kind of um, inscrutable quality going on. Um, I just love him in it. He's brilliant. And then you've got Papa Esiedu in it still as the guy who kind of inherited the huge amount of um, power from his dad. And he's kind of estranged from his dad, played by Lucien Massimati. That element of the family is really interesting, the Dumani family. Um, then you've got Michelle Fairley, who plays uh, Marion Wallace, who was the, the the wife of the guy who was killed in the first series that Joe Cole was trying to find out how why he was killed. And she's just this completely ruthless matriarch who is just borderline evil and horrendous. Borderline. I mean, okay, evil. <laughs> there is um, literally an entire episode in season one where she tortures someone. Yeah, so. she's out now. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, right, yeah. Um, so it's just very... And, then, and then this series introduces a few new characters, new, um, new gangs in this kind of complex world. It is quite complicated, but it's very, very cleverly written and um, planned out so that you kind of keep track of all the different machinations that are going on within these different gangs of London. It's just, I, I think this really is visually spectacular. Um, it's, I think, you know, this, there's a set piece in the, at the end of the first episode, which is a home raid, which is so stunningly well it was done. It's like theatre. It was like a theatre. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which it's we just, played at yeah. the Pilot 200 podcast. Corin came down. We exclusively. And, uh, that's it. We revealed that, the home yeah, invasion it's scene. It's like a 10 minute, is it 10 minutes? Oh, yes. Yeah, it's a long piece, sequence. Um, sequence, which is brilliantly done. It was actually, uh, it's weird, we're, 
word to say, but beautiful. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is, and that's what I was starting to say at the beginning about the blood splattering and the. It is horrendously violent, but beautiful. It's kind of. It's back to the old, you know, days of Sam Peckinpah. Okay? I'm sure one of your favourite mm-hmm. film directors, um, <laughs> and Brian De Palma. I'm just going to all of these kind of great directors who celebrated the visual wonder of absolute violence. And it's quite a weird. What, but it's, it's one that I'm fascinated by. I love all that stuff. So for me, this is like the kind of, you know, it lives in that world of classic, ultra-violent 70s, 80s thrillers. And it's as good as, it's kind of better than most actual film action set-piece thrillers that that, 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 you, that, that you come out these days. It's just a fantastic show. I love it. What's interesting with this is we reviewed this for Empire and uh, our reviewer, Dan, he gave this three stars and what? said it wasn't a patch on season one. What the actual- so I had really low expectations going into this. And yet, I watched the first episode. I was like, "That was brilliant." So yeah. I don't know what he's talking about. Obviously, you know, who who knows? Maybe, maybe, maybe you know. Once I've seen the whole season, I will feel slightly differently. But actually, I thought exactly as you say. The violence was balletic at times. It was beautifully choreographed. It didn't feel too gratuitous. It's really brutal. Like the first scene, it doesn't mess about. There's a first scene which is chilling because yeah. uh, all the way through this, obviously, there's a new kind of like very, very sort of nasty character called Koba. Uh, he's played by Walid Zueta and uh, he's uh, I mean, basically terrifying. But no one is safe in this. There are deaths that you don't see coming. There, there are wrong foots you. And I again, like the story was complex and interesting, but relatively easy to follow so i didn't yeah. feel lost by it and i was gripped pretty much from the first episode so yeah i actually i i'm i'm pretty stoked about yeah. watching the rest of this it does like big confrontations really well there's a big confrontation at the end of the first episode between two characters mm-hmm. there like those big meetings with all the different gangs you know those it's, yeah it, it, I, i'm amazed it's got three because it's like a parallel world it's like a parallel yeah. london isn't it yeah, and, and shopey is extremely good at this to so be fair. Yeah. he's very very good in this james so bond. i thought it was great Didn't yeah you know, james bond show paid recently make it happen uh it's okay it just upset you right <laughs> no you, well, yes it did it did right <laughs> um first of all i just got to say from the outset that i actually agree with a lot of what you're saying because i can i can see that it was as you say beautifully shot mm. um and the storytelling and stuff like that but obviously it's not my genre and i just felt i went through a gamut of emotions watching this right the, fir- the first one was just being incredibly pissed at both of you <laughs> for making you watch it yes yeah i was like f you guys um you didn't get pissed in the american sense rather than yeah like, than i drunk. was totally pissed, pissed yeah. off Pissed, yeah, and I hadn't pissed myself yeah. either. Yeah. She didn't so, piss herself so, and then yeah. go out and get twatted <laughs> because we made her watch totally it. Totally yeah. drunk off your head. Yeah. No, I was very annoyed with you okay. guys. Okay, right. Um, and then I was just out and out horrified by the extreme violence because the first few scenes, oh my it's just like that, like everything. I mean, it's different ways of how someone could be just. Some, you know. Someone is murdered with a sequin dress. That's what I'm going to say. Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> the violence is wild in this, like, and especially from the the outset. So I was like, what the hell am I being subjected to? And I had to watch it, lights on, doing stuff at the same time. Yet <laughs> every time I moved into a different room, I had to take it with me because that's the thing. It was gripping, and you want to know, you know, well. It was very confusing to me because I didn't know exactly who was who and it's confusing if you've never watched it. Yeah. Um, but I did want to see how it was all going to pan out. And um, I have to say, like, one thing I found, I became immune to the violence very quickly. That is what I was terrified about. Yeah, well. you you get desensitised. I was. Mm. And I was like, oh, this is nothing. Yeah, sure, someone else's brain matters all across the... <laughs> like, the walls are being decorated by someone's innards. Yeah, sure. But the thing I found most brutal was, and it's not really a spoiler because whatever, but like... 
someone being made to eat bullets. Yes, mm-hmm. that's what? very early on, that so it's not really a spoiler. But that, the that actual yeah, fuck. that's a very very upsetting <laughs> sequence. It was really upsetting. Yeah. Because also those bullets have to come out. Yeah, well, and we see that as well. Press, so, yeah. 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 I know. Yeah. yeah. So um, exit only. Um, yeah. So um, I, I is this the most violent show on TV? We said that about I the first season. So. Didn't yeah, we? yeah I, so. I, I pretty yeah, much definitely. I yeah. think it's trying to be. You know, I think yeah. that's yeah. one of its one of its, its you know raison d'etre <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. is we want to show what we can, you can do with violence in this day and age. Well, it does it very well, but yeah, I mean, safe to say, I will not be watching anymore. Fair enough. But I can, but I can appreciate the mm. Um, mm. the genius of it. Very good. Well, Gangs of London season two comes to Sky Atlantic and now on the twentieth of October. Other things that are out this week, Boydie. Well, I've got to be honest. War of the Worlds season three. Yeah, who knew? Lands on Disney Plus on the nineteenth, and I, I mean, at the end of season two of War of the Worlds, which is the Trey Francais War of the Worlds, uh, which has uh, Daisy Edgar Jones in it, Gabriel Byrne, like. It felt like a pretty closed end to the story. I didn't. I felt like it was done. Like that felt like the end of the story. Yeah. But we're back. Gabriel Byrne is back. It's is Daisy carrying on. Still in it? I don't no, know if Daisy's still in so. it anymore. I don't think so. I suspect she's doing other things yeah, at this point. I could busy. be wrong. But I really enjoyed it. There was a bit where I think I binged this whole thing one night until silly oh, yeah, o'clock in the morning you, with the yeah. robot dogs and stuff oh, like. Yeah. I found it quite chilling, and it's really brutal at times. Like it's it's quite upsetting. All I remember from the, the first episode of last year wasn't it like robot dogs yeah. on the South Bank? Yeah, robot dogs <laughs> on the South Bank, like just killing people yeah. indiscriminately. Yeah. yeah, that's basically it. Yeah. It all goes a bit. It all, I mean, it's it's a, it's a very odd show. But I'm yeah. I'm gonna probably watch this third season because I quite enjoyed I enjoyed one a lot and then two less so but I'm still quite fascinated by it and I want to know where they're going. Mm. So that uh, that then, as I said, lands on Disney Plus and then Handmaid's Tale season yes. five has got a last minute Channel yeah. Four date, which is 23rd of October at 9 p.m. The fifth season of that show is it the fifth and final or is no, it just the penultimate fifth? penultimate it's be the final, penultimate yeah. I've not watched it in years. The but, greatest uh, person in the world, Elizabeth Moss. Yes, yeah. indeed. So that's going on. What else is happening, Body? Obviously, Doctor, The Power of the Doctor, yeah. 23rd of October, 7.30pm on BBC One. Correct. There's a Chapelweight. Yes, Chapelweight. This new um, 10-part series based on Stephen King's uh, short story, Jerusalem's Lot, uh, set in the 1850s. Yep. Adrian Brody, uh, Adrian Brody, Emily Hampshire. Quite a big, seems quite a big deal. Mm. Paramount Plus showing it from Wednesday the nineteenth on a nightly basis. They are, yeah. Which is just another weird thing about yeah. streaming. Just we didn't cover it this week because it was embargoed. embargoed. <laughs> um, Despite having aired in the states already, yeah, it's one uh, of those really anger, maddening embargoes. The fury of James. Yeah, I just I was not happy yeah. about that at all. Um, Kay considered herself. Oh there, God, it was I mean, a reprieve. The yeah, God, Kay was just yeah. like, yes, big freedom, reprieve. big reprieve. And there's also the house across the street, which is a four-part Channel Five thriller one of their high concept thrillers this time they're showing it over two weeks so monday and tuesday mm. this week and, and next week it stars the great shirley henderson who is brilliant and everything this is quite a rare the leads this is a lead role for her um which is quite rare and our friend craig parkinson yes of line of oh. duty caddy and the two we shot excellent craig. two shot podcast Dot. fame is in it as well and it's fascinating and creepy it's basically like um She's a really sad figure. Shirley Henderson's character is a really sad figure. And um, a, a neighbour goes missing, a kid, and she becomes obsessed with that case. And it's like all the, the neighbours could be involved somehow. In, they're all. It's kind of like a mystery whodunit thriller, but it's really interesting. Um, I went about on that, but longer than you, you probably would have hoped, James, because <laughs> I've seen it, and we probably should have reviewed it instead of one of the shows we didn't review. Not naming, yeah, naming which one, but, you know, just saying. Uh, what else... 
Um, I want to mention that Friday Night Live is back on Channel 4 on Friday. Friday Night Lights? Friday Night Live. No. The the groundbreaking sh- comedy show that I was brought up watching as a kid, hosted by Ben Elton, and he's back hosting this one-off revival of it on Channel 4 on Friday. Yes, it's not a James Star show, but I wanted to mention it because it's a very exciting occurrence. Um, I think that might be it. Yeah. He says, thumbing through this week's issue of Heat Magazine. Okay, what is our pick of the week? I'm oh, Gangs of London. Gangs of London. Yeah. Gangs of London it is. Excellent. Well, that is it for this week's show. If you would like to leave us a five-star rating on whichever podcast platform takes your fancy, then we will gratefully receive them. And if you'd like to feed back to us directly, please do so at Pilot TV Pod or individually at James C. Dyer, at Boyd Hilton, and at Kate Ribeiro. Next week, we will be joined by Nadia Park, star of YA Witchfest, The Bastard Son and the Devil Himself, as well as Reiki Iola, star of The Pact. Plus, there is a host of Halloweeny horror that Kay is absolutely tripping over herself to see. Isn't that right, Kay? Oh, You're looking forward to it. Cannot wait. Barrels of blood, gore <laughs> akimbo, all of it. Oh, God, F my life. <laughs> Look forward to that next week. Until then, pilot out. <laughs>